And good morning, everyone, or good evening, or good afternoon, depending upon where you happen to be located this uh, November 14th, 2021, on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight. As I've said now far too many times, the time when uh, unusual things were confined to this time slot and now are occurring around the world 24 Well, we have a really interesting show this morning because several things have developed that uh, kind of warrant our attention. We're moving uh, back our view into outer space. There are some developments which have taken place in the last few days that are well worth attention. And I just remembered I forgot something. So uh, when we get to it, I will will remember to tell you what I forgot. (laughs) Does that make sense? Anyway, um, before we get started, let me redirect all those folks who may be new to the show to how we get to the section called Radio with Pictures, where we post images and links and video and trivia and anything that we kind of think is newsworthy. So you're on a smartphone, you're on a computer, you're on a modern digital device, you can uh, uh, listen and look at what we have to be displayed at the same time. So what you want to do is you want to go to the other side of midnight.com. That's our URL. Click on tonight's banner, which says rather enigmatically, what's wrong with NASA's new proposal for confirming ET life? And yes, there is a fatal flaw. And I'm astonished that no one else seems to have picked up on it. So uh, we will. And the next few minutes. Uh, So click on that. That will take you to the guest page. And right under the guest page, you will see uh, fast links to items, uh, Richard, John, Andrew, and Ron. And then there, under that, there are fast links to bios for John, Andrew, Ron, and Keith. Uh, Click on my name. That will take you to the section of Radio with Pictures where some news items are displayed. Item number one, we're leading again tonight as we have for the last several weeks with the story of La Palma. This is an app which you can put on your phone, which will alert you if there is any major seismic activity. The reason we're concerned about that is because back in, uh, I think it was 2001, there was a major paper published, peer-reviewed, by a team of geologists, kind of out-of-the-box thinker geologists, who said that if a major event happened uh, to La Palma, which is a little island off the northwest Africa in the Canary Islands, then about half the island, which split during a preceding eruption of the volcano on uh, La Palma, um, could fissure the island where half of it would slide into the Atlantic, causing a major mega tsunami. And there have been all kinds of estimates. Their estimate was on the order of 100 or so feet racing across the Atlantic at uh, speed of sound, uh, raising a wave around 100 feet high. But when it gets to the shore on the other side of the Atlantic, North Atlantic Basin from La Palma, the calculations were that the shallowing of the continental shelf would create a mega tsunami, meaning the wave height could increase to several hundred feet. And at that speed, six, 700 miles an hour, it could race inland 20, 30 miles 
and you all saw that kind of played out in the movie Deep Impact, um, where an object struck uh, just offshore off the East Coast and the uh, resulting tsunami, tidal wave, whatever you want to call it, raced inland, and there was a very dramatic scene at the end of the movie, and I won't uh, give it away in case you haven't seen it. It was a tour de force of Hollywood special effects. Well, that's kind of like the worst-case scenario with about nine hours' warning uh, if La Palma should do its worst. Right under that, item number two is a recent story that appeared on the um, local Channel 8 uh, website, uh, one of the major major uh, news outlets there in uh, in Florida, and it uh, talks about all the reasons geologists have now come up with in the ensuing you know decade uh, uh, plus um, for the mega tsunami scenario to not be correct. And as we try to do on this show, we try to present both sides, and I know that's simplistic because life is more than left and right, up and down, back and forth. There's more than two sides to a situation. Life is nuanced. Unfortunately, public discourse most of the time these days is not. So what we've done is we've published kind of the opposing point of view. Geologists writing um, in uh, uh, Florida today, um, why La Palma cannot take place as a mega disaster, as a mega tsunami. And you can uh, read of it what you will. My precaution would be to keep the La Palma alert on my phone. I would have a go bag packed. I've told my brother and his family who live on the East Coast on the uh, North Carolina shore to kind of watch La Palma. Because worst case scenarios, although they are rare, they sometimes do happen. Now, item number three comes under that heading. And so let me make a couple of clicks here. I want to read you something that uh, came in uh, last night after last night's show. This is from one of our listeners. His name is Jay. And he said, um, uh, he, he, he expresses kind of admiration for my tolerance of ideas that I know or believe are wrong. Uh, and he um, uh raises a specific uh, question. He says, here's the question. If indeed COVID-19 is a conspiracy against the race, meaning the human race, wouldn't getting people to voluntarily inject themselves with something that will damage their health as effective or perhaps more effective, especially since it has had all the weight of government and officialdom behind it? He goes on, I don't ask you to agree with this idea, since I'm sure you won't. I only ask you to consider if this is plausible. So I want to address item number three specifically to Jay and a lot of other listeners out there who share uh, that opinion. Yes, of course I've considered that. I've considered everything. The most outrageous hypotheses are swirling around the entire COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, ranging from it's it's non-existent, it's a hoax, it's a fake, to it's an extraordinary uh, plot by Bill Gates to kill off humanity, that the vaccines which have been created in record time are, you know, using humans as guinea pigs, they're not ready for prime time, and the hundreds of millions of people around the world who have gotten them 
are basically, you know, on a, on a track to death's door. I've looked at all of the scenarios. See, one of the things that I find interesting is that the same kind of checks and balances in the scientific community, only on a much larger scale, obtain with the founding fathers in the sense of their creation of this experiment called the United States of America, namely three branches of government, each of which would be a check and a balance to the other. So what in the field of science is a check and a balance, particularly when you include public policy in terms of public health? Normally, conspiracies such as have been posited for COVID-19 and vaccines and all that only work when the conspiracy is confined to a very, very limited number of people because people love to talk. Back during World War II, there was a catchphrase, loose lips sink ships. You know, people working in shipyards, working on munitions, working in armaments plants, you know, after work, going to bars, talking, getting a bit too, uh, you know, lubricated and freely talking and German spies and Japanese spies circulating among them and listening for every little snippet. This, these were major concerns because people love to talk. Now, you add to that that when you have a global situation where it's not just a handful of conspirators who know what's going on, but you have literally hundreds of thousands of people if not millions of people with social media able to communicate instantly anywhere on the planet who talk to each other 24-7 about everything, and everyone has access to documentation that only a handful had in eras before, then you add in the money factor. If there was real documentable evidence that in fact there was this mega conspiracy going on in terms of the vaccine to kill us with a vaccine as opposed to with the virus, or that the virus was merely a hoax and you know there weren't almost a million people who have died in the United States alone in the last 18, 19 months from the virus. If that could be documented, if that could be um, discovered in terms of a paper trail memos, research documents, not just one opinion, but multiple documents converging on the same outrageous, extraordinary solution. In an era where money is king, where news media would pay an amazing amount for documented proof of such a global conspiracy, could you imagine any conspiracy involving the tens of thousands of people in, for instance, public health departments all over the planet to say nothing of all the hospitals and all the medical centers, which encompass more hundreds of thousands of researchers and nurses and doctors. And again, I'm not talking about a tiny subset who have raised alarms. I'm talking about data which will convince the majority in the middle that something is rotten in Denmark, that something evil is going on with all these social conditions and the incredible ease of communication if there was substantive documented evidence that this in fact was occurring it would be found 
And I know there are people out there who say, oh, but it would be suppressed. The problem is, or the good side is, it can't be suppressed. If it was suppressed, then all of the dissident perspectives, which are lone voices, not converging on the same conclusions, but separate voices of, in, in terms of separate countries and separate genres, be able to make any disclaimers known. There would be uniform silence from the counterforce side. We would not hear of people who claim the vaccines are killing us. We would not hear of there being vast conspiracies. In other words, we are in a free fire zone where no single point failure or claim based on no evidence, no substantive replicable evidence can be trusted. So how do you make a decision? Well, one of the things I've been saying for some time is I'm less concerned about the evil plots around the vaccine than I am around the evil plots around the virus itself. If in fact we are under attack, if in fact, as I've said, the evidence to me points toward we're at war and COVID-19 is the vehicle, then you have to look at the effects of the virus itself. And there is overwhelming documented proof from all over the world that not only do a significant percentage of, of people, you know, maybe one or two out of 100, which in a large population is an extraordinary of people to die from a disease cured now, but the long-term effects of COVID, which have shown up under the rubric of long haulers, those that have symptoms that persist for weeks or months, or in some cases over a year, that body of people who get the disease recover but never really recover, that number is up around 30%. Now, in a war, the objective is not to kill the enemy, but to impair the enemy's ability to wage war. And the way you do that is you make the enemy turn to saving those who are not dead but are alive but have to be cared for have to be maintained where resources and time and effort and human power has to be devoted to caring for that percentage of the population that cannot care for themselves. So if you go to item number three, you'll see a story came out a few days ago from the LA Times of a researcher uh, there at um, UCLA, uh, Dr. Maria Boldrini, who is studying the brains of deceased people who have died of COVID-19 in an attempt to better understand how it is causing these enormous long-term neurological effects. And if you read down in the article, um, she has some very interesting quotes. Uh, let me find one that's uh, most, most appropriate. She says, very strange symptoms made even stranger because they were cropping up in people with no personal or family history of such problems. Uh, problems such as <clears throat> the inability to think, uh, kind of, uh, you know, memory losses. Um, the, the disease, uh, the article says, may be best known for its ability to rob people of their breath, but as the pandemic spread, 
patients began reporting a disconcerting array, disconcerting array of cognitive and psychiatric issues, memory lapses, fatigue, mental fuzziness that became known as brain fog. These were also more acute problems such as paranoia, hallucinations, thoughts of suicide, and psychosis. This strange constellation of symptoms has led researchers to suspect that the disease is mounting a direct attack on the brain. Researchers now want to figure it out, what is causing the assault's long-term effects, and obviously what you might do, what researchers might do, what clinicians might do to ultimately someday solve the problem and eliminate the idea of COVID-19 as a long-term pernicious disease. In other words, if you use the simple maxim of Occam's razor, which paraphrased is that any given situation, the simpler explanation is most likely the most reliable, the one you can depend on, the one that reflects the truth. If we are under an attack and there is now kind of agreement on many sides of this multifaceted equation that COVID-19 is not a natural evolution from, you know, some bat somewhere in China through some intermediary, which has never been found into uh, people, that it in fact is, was created as a bioweapon. And I'm going to have as a guest on the show in the not too distant future, uh, the man who wrote the treaty on the banning of bioweapons in warfare, Dr. Bell. Um, when we have him for discussion, I have an enormous range of very relevant questions I'm going to ask, such as if this is a weapon, what could its long-term objectives be? Because as a killer, it's not like Ebola, which is incredibly efficient. More than half the people, maybe 80% of the people who get Ebola die. And that was you know, before there was a uh, vaccine. I'm not sure what the numbers are now. With COVID, it's much more insidious, much more insidious, kind of like the creators of the weapon have been able to outthink those trying to develop a defense and are one step ahead. For instance, there are areas of the, of the country, this country, like in New England, in Vermont, where something like 80 to 90 percent of the, of the population is vaccinated and they're having surges, they're having outbreaks, they're having, you know, large numbers of people admitted also, proportionately speaking, in terms of population, they are dying. How can that be? Well, suppose instead of merely being passed from person to person to person, this bioweapon, COVID-19, is being systematically re-injected into the atmosphere, either by aerial spraying, by satellite technology, or a mixture of both. And so areas that are, quote, safer, in fact, are not safer because someone, the bad guys, are injecting the disease again into a population where there can be up to 20% or 30 or 40% of people who have not been vaccinated. And there are, there are numbers that kind of indicate this might be true. But again, I say might be, possibly could. There is so much uncertainty around this entire pandemic situation, which of course is part and parcel of what happens in any war. The first casualty is truth. 
The first casualty is trust. The first weapon of creating distrust is to sow such seeds of dissent that populations will internally tear themselves apart because they do not know who or what they can trust because as laypersons, they do not have a process to even begin to figure out from lies because all their life they have depended on the integrity and the credibility of institutions. And that credibility has now been thoroughly shattered by a well-funded, really well-funded, aggressive assault on the very concept of major institutions as a bastion for anything approaching integrity or truth or scientific rigor or simply being honest with the public. So we have destroyed as a culture the fundamental coin of the realm, which is the confidence and faith in public health. And as we look around, we see the extraordinarily negative results. Again, if I was the enemy, I would be incredibly pleased tonight that everybody is at each other's throats and nobody is trusting anybody. Now, the good news is there are still real scientists out there. There are still institutions with integrity who have people working for them with integrity. The only question is, who are they and how do you find them? And I think researchers who are trying to find out if, in fact, this COVID-19 is specifically being targeted as a mechanism of dissembling, disassembling, you know, a large percentage of the population in terms of brain function. I mean, without a functioning brain, you have basically zombies. And how many movies about zombie apocalypses kind of erupted over the last couple of uh, decades? This is not a trivial situation. Not a trivial situation at all. Which leads me to item number four. Is it coincidence in the same time frame? We just had a conference held of all places at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. on the 10th of November that went on for a couple of hours, which has been uh, taped. It's on YouTube, and we have a link to it. So you can click on it directly and watch it. I would recommend absolutely that you watch it at your earliest convenience. Item number four is a story from the New York Post talking about the nation's top spy chief, uh, Averill Haynes, who reports directly to the president uh, the results of 16 United States intelligence agencies in terms of enemies, threat assessment, strategic advantages, in other words, are the state of national security. This particular individual, the other day at this conference, made public statements, in essence, admitting that the remarkable um, sightings and encounters of uh, two U.S. aircraft battle groups, one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast, and then subsequent activity, the so-called UAP phenomenon, unidentified aerial phenomenon, which, of course, we all know is the attempt to change the branding of the UFO situation. You know, Ms. Haynes admits these objects, these vehicles, which are capable of stunning, extraordinary, totally counterfactual physics to any physics that is in general uh, understanding and the claim 
by the mainstream scientific community, i.e. the control of gravity and inertia, able to go from 80,000 feet in the stratosphere to right above the ocean in seconds without smearing the uh, uh, pilots all over the cockpit. That kind of technology could be under the aegis of some kind of extraterrestrial entity. So now, put item number four and item number three together, Jay, all right? Stand back and look at this from the big picture. If we have extraterrestrials who are basically conducting offensive military maneuvers in plain view of the most powerful surface ocean fleets this planet has ever created in the modern era, to demonstrate as a show of force, you know, you guys got nothing compared to what we've got, while simultaneously a global pandemic of unprecedented dimensions, symptomology, long-term effects is basically, uh, you know, debilitating a third of the population that succumbs to it. What more in the equation that we are at threat, we are under, under attack, we are at war, do you need for the establishment intelligence officer of the United States to all but admit these connections? In other words, that conference held a few days ago at the National Cathedral had an audience. Was the audience for you or me? No. Was it for any of the dedicated researchers in the UFO community who've been working, uh, you know, 20, 30 years like Steve Bassett to bring about disclosure? No. Going back to Roddenberry's rule, if it's real, it will be on television, i.e. national media, on the Internet, on network television, in the news, in major newspapers, papers of record like The Post or The Times. That conference was aimed specifically at the in crowd, the decision makers, the people who pull the strings, nay I say the controllers of the deep state, because they need to be made aware that we are at war. And if you want to actually watch and listen to the conference, it's item number five. That's a direct link to this incredibly hour uh, expose of what the in crowd really believes with the dni the director of national intelligence basically saying it there could be extraterrestrials i mean come on when has the u.s government ever since the 1940s admitted on the record that even the possibility of et's was seriously being considered we are in a whole new era, and tonight we are going to be talking about this whole new era with my guests. Um, we're at the bottom of the hour, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and then I will introduce who is part and parcel of this very important evening, following last night's very important evening. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. If you leave us now, you may never return.
As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online and then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed or if you ignore it, right? Then how can you make the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, accept our mess and now know that that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer and I was on the other side of the news and I really enjoy my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and, and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and, and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important and these are the times to do it and we're being asked to pay attention and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond, beyond the box. back everyone on this Sunday night, November 14th, to the other side of midnight. My guests this morning include Jonathan Womack, who is a very experienced, uh, I guess you call him a hyperdimensional traveler because he began leaving his body in the fall of 65 at the age of eight. Remember um, last night, uh, Dr. Solheim was talking about 
his first encounter with hyperdimensional realities when he almost died when he was four. And some presence, some entity, some extra-dimensional being interfered and saved him um, and thereby changed his life. Well, the same thing kind of happened to, to John. Um, he's been involved in martial arts since his teens. He is currently the executive producer at an entity called Mind World Entertainment and has just launched a new TV series, The Out-of-Body Experience Show, Metaphysics and More, on Amazon Prime. And uh, I'm probably missing a couple of things there. You can go and read his bio on the other side of midnight. Uh, we also have uh, Ron Gerbron with us, He's a member of the Enterprise Mission Imaging Team. He is a proudly uncredentialed polymath with a deep interest in archaeology, especially uh, Martian, Martian archaeology. I'll get that right. He was raised on a farm in Pennsylvania as a kid and uh, uh, collected arrowheads when he was growing up. Um, he found the programmatic aspects of education, particularly academia, higher education, much too limiting after attending a famous Quaker school in Pennsylvania. And uh, he then became a kind of a generalist, like I fancy myself that I am. And he contributes almost every show, something unusual, something of interest, something worthy of uh, note uh, when he calls in and he is with us tonight. Andrew Curry is with us. Andrew uh, began his artistic career at a community college, uh, as an artist at a community college, working with neighborhood groups to create murals in school and community centers. As a graphic designer and illustrator, he serviced small to large Canadian companies. And for the past decade, he's been working as a storyboard illustrator um, in film and television. And through him, we've had some very interesting guests as well as in-depth conversations. And he is also a member of the uh, Enterprise Mission Imaging Team. Uh, Keith Morgan is with us, as you know, of course. He is our resident uh, audio and IT expert. He also uh, worked uh, for Ted Koppel on um, uh, Nightline for something like 30 years at the ABC News Bureau in Washington, D.C. He has a um, B.A. in communications from Howard University with a minor in computer science. And um, he, of course, is founder of the most extraordinary um, discovery at Sidonia, the so-called Morgan Curve, which has joined a litany of other mathematically unique and statistically impossible, quote, coincidences that prove to any objective engineer or scientist that the mathematics and the geometry and architecture of Sidonia is real, surrounding the infamous space on Mars, and his work was one of the early efforts at mathematics to convince an awful lot of people that, in fact, we were not all crazy. So without further ado, let me welcome all of you back to the other side of midnight. Good to be here, Richard. That's John. Hi, Richard. That's Andrew. Hi, Richard. And that's Ron. And, and, Keith, and, and Keith is there waiting in the wings, <laughs> who had a most interesting accident last night that maybe we'll 
might regale the audience with a little later in the show. You know, going back to coincidences, I just find that really weird. Anyway, um, anybody have a reaction to all the incredibly controversial things I said at the top? Who's this, Andrew? Andrew, yeah. yeah. So, Richard, um, without devolving into a whole lot of politics... (laughs) Really? You think that's possible? (laughs) Well... I know there are voices out there that are, you know, com- you know, that listen to you and would agree with you 100%. And then there's voices that are in the middle, probably most people going, huh, that's interesting. And then, of course, there's a, a whole other side that says what you said is total baloney. Well, let me, let me go and take this from a certain perspective. Let's just pretend that I've been asleep for, for the last 20 years and I wake up in the Catskill. So I'm Rip Van Winkle. Let's just, that's who I am right now. So I come in right now, I popped on your show, but let's just say that I did a whole bunch of quick reading. I don't know. I had a really great download time in my brain and I discovered all about Richard C. Hoagland and his, how many decades is it now long, the Enterprise mission, Richard? Oh, four or five. Okay. So a long time. And, oh, then I might have been awake before when you were already going. <laughs> but then I find out about this whole. Well, technically, the Enterprise mission began in uh, 1996, so it's been right. since uh, mid 90s. Yeah, I was going to say 30 years. But the, but, so the, I, but the research has been going on for like uh, two decades before that, so it is you know almost 50 years. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so I wake up and I maybe rediscover your work or I found out you're holding up a picture of the face on Mars on CNN and someone shares it with me and who's this guy and and then I find out about this whole you know COVID scenario and everything that's going on there and I pour over all the data but I'm pretty much agnostic about the whole thing because I don't know but I look at your research and I listen to what you said you know and I kind of go over the videos and the books and the articles and the Enterprise Mission website uh, which has a slightly different name now can you Call that out for the audience, Richard, just so they know. Cause no, I wanna... it's Enterprise Missions with an S on it, dot com. Yeah, exactly. So because some little... years ago, uh, someone stole Enterprise. Yeah. We have been under attack for a very long time. Well, and it shows how important your work is. But here's the thing. I look at what you've done, where you've analyzed all the space. And remember, I'm Rip Van Winkle here. I've analyzed all your work and what you say about all the various space agencies around the planet. And let's face it, what you're suggesting is that there is some kind of subterfuge here, that they're hiding something and they're doing it somehow together. Whether they, you know, and how they do it when someone's drinking in a bar or they meet Ron in the Denny's or, I, I, you know, how they're able to hold this quote unquote conspiracy together is a completely different question. So then I come to COVID and I, and, you know, and, how am I not seeing the same patterns? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not taking a side here. I mean, I have a side, but I'm not, I don't want to go on that. I want to go higher and say, how do we justify what you said about this cannot be a conspiracy, and yet look at the body of your work? No, 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 wait, 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 wait. You're, you're, you're misquoting me. I didn't say it wasn't a conspiracy. I'm trying to identify what the conspiracy is. In other words, okay, to well, me, the pandemic is a conspiracy. Uh-huh. Keeping it secret is also part of the conspiracy. And how do you keep it secret? You spread disinformation that it's like the flu. It's trivial. It's nothing. Or that it doesn't even exist. And then you spread disinformation that the vaccines, which will save people, you know, will actually kill them. 
And so you have a huge body of people who are totally ass over tea kettle, totally confused, who have no idea who to trust. Because again, most people do not go back and do their basic homework. They have no capabilities to do that from ground zero. And so they have to rely on people, as I said, or institutions. And what has happened in the last four years is we've seen the effective destruction of public confidence in any institutions or government you know, research or the press or anybody that used to be a bastion of credibility for most people. But I think that there's good reason for that on many different That's levels. That's a separate issue. That's a separate issue. You know, yes, the government has lied to us about a whole bunch of things. Yes. The, the key well, question is, are they en masse? Because it's not just the government. You'd have to involve so many tens of thousands of people in the field, in the vineyards, on the front lines, medical staff, medical workers, you know, crematoriums, mortuaries. Uh, you know, the list is monumentally long. They all have to be in on it. And nobody can be bought off to where they basically, like the gal that, you know, broke from Facebook, with documents from inside showing how Facebook, how Zuckerberg and company have been lying to us for decades about face studies show they've been lying. Or some, you know, a couple of decades ago, the tobacco companies that sat in front of Congress and said forthrightly, no, nicotine is not addictive. And then you find through, you know, subpoenas and, and court action that their internal research says that nicotine is incredibly addictive. So they sat there and they've lied systematically. Or the most recent example, the oil companies that now documents have been revealed that they've known that their product, i.e. oil, fossil fuels, causes the planet to warm up and will eventually kill us all. And they sit in front of Congress and they say, absolutely, it has nothing to do with global warming. In other words, that kind of revelation from inside the establishment, the leak, think of Snowden. Snowden, under the most oppressive security that we can mount, the National Security Agency, somehow was able to escape and escape to all places Russia with documentation of all the levels at the NSA that have been lying to us for decades on a whole bunch of things having to do with our you know freedoms of, of publication, freedom of privacy, you know private channels of communication, phone logs, metadata, all of that, it all eventually comes up. So if, if we all live long enough, Eventually, the truth is going to come out to where everybody says, oh, my God, that's the horse we should have bet on. At the moment, we don't have that breakthrough inside set of whistleblowers with documentation, which is what we desperately need when no one knows how to figure out the truth. So is there a conspiracy? Of course. The question is, what is it really? Yes. Uh, if I could toss in a comment about one of your arguments, uh, when you were talking about the oil companies, mm -hmm. and no, I and no, I do not have any relatives in nor work for uh, <laughs> Standard Oil nor any other. Uh, the um, although I'd go as far, never mind. We won't talk about Sony. <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, uh, when I was a little kid, which was a long time ago, folks, uh, I read that uh, we were going to run out of accessible fuel sources in about 40 years. 
when I was in junior high. Yeah, it's called peak oil. Said, oh, we're, yeah, we're going to run out of we're going to, yeah we're going to reach that. Well, they didn't used to call it that, but we're going to run out of oil, uh, reachable oil, and uh, in 40 years. And they kept saying this. It maintained business. Sinclair Oil, which used to be a big company, even had a dinosaur as their emblem mm-hmm. for the company. And, you know, Dino the Dinosaur, everybody loved it. I remember seeing it on signs when I was a little kid. And it's not made from, uh, they still call them fossil fuels. Well, that's vaguely fair, but it's, it's not made out of dinosaurs or compacted anything. It's, it's produced in the, earth, in the earth. They know what the chemical and geological processes are that produce oil. So you can say whatever you like about abiotic oil, but it's it's not produced by dead dinosaurs, and yet people still talk about that. They and the relevance the, uh, of that to this discussion? They were lying from the start for reasons of business. Yeah, but but that's, you that's your assumption. It, yeah. do, do we have actual documentation going back to the 50s? Because up until relatively recently... We have the actual commercials. You know it's not made out of dinosaurs, no, no, and they no, used no, to do no, that. no. no. They used to do that because they used to think that. Remember, science is not infallible. It's not like the Pope. Science constantly is finding it's wrong. It's dead-ass wrong. Being wrong is not a crime. Lying about the truth when you know it's not the truth, that's the crime. There's a huge difference. Well, when I said conflating, I'm saying it's a completely different subject. When you talk about the Greta Thunberg sort of global warming Oh, we're producing these pollutants. It's going to kill us. No, no. Chemical companies that produce things that modify plants, which we then eat, or which other animals and creatures on the planet. I think we're getting sidetracked, Ron, politically into. We're talking about. No, I'm just. I don't want. You know, I hate to talk about politics. I just want. You know, don't conflate. Don't bring in the pollution stuff, if please. Why are you telling me what I can't bring in? Why are you trying, why are you trying to limit someone's free speech? God, nobody in this crowd seems to believe in the First Amendment except me. Andrew, you were going to say something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know we've got to get on to Mars. <laughs> we we will. Please. There is a perfect segue. Well, let me give – can I tell you a very quick story? I'll Remember, this is really not quick. an interview show. This is a conversation show. Yeah. I, I want mm. – okay. So years ago um, when my wife worked in a care facility – um, she'd worked in it since she was 16 and she'd been there like, I get almost 20 years, but in the end, she injured herself one day, um, bringing garbage out to the back alley and she wrenched her, her shoulder and sort of her, her trapezius area. And it was really like inflamed and, you know, they tried to get her back to work. It didn't work. And she eventually ended up in a, uh, what was called a, a, a re- rehabilitation center in downtown Vancouver. And I won't name it. It doesn't exist anymore, and I'm not surprised. Um, and she went there and with all good intentions, et cetera, et cetera. And there were doctors. There were psychologists. There were physiotherapists. There were occupational therapists. There were you know all, all types in this very professional-looking system. And what she began to real, realize is that something odd was going on. She was having no improvements, and she's not a liar. She's the hardest person I know that, that you know, works her tail off all her life. And what she noticed was a pattern among all of these quote-unquote professionals that they were leaning everything when they found out they couldn't really get her healthy in, in the short period of what we realized later was an allotted period of time sanctioned by the insurance company. 
um, they started to move it towards her mind. And the next thing you know, she was being tracked as having a problem with chronic pain. I saw it early, and I began to say, let's record everything. Let's make sure we watch this. I'll, I'll give you letters that you can sign off that will be more of an illegalese point of view. And they knew she was posed, you know, poisoning. And in the end, of course, just like others in the program, she was thrown out. Now, let me tell you a little anecdote that she had. She was standing on a lineup um, for food, like at one lunch hour when she was doing going to this program. And there was two physiotherapists just slightly ahead of her, and she recognized them. They didn't see her. Their conversation was, Mr. I'll just call him Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown is becoming a problem. He's not getting well. Da 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 da. And in the end, she she overheard them saying, "How can we manipulate this to make it look like he's the one that's got the problem?" Long and short of it was, Richard, this was medical tyranny, and it was being done on a institutional scale right there. This is a small, small, small example. Now, I have a lawyer friend um, was a very good friend for when I was you know, very young in my early 20s, and we remained friends over the years and everything. And I asked her about this. I said, you're a lawyer. Is this what the insurance companies do with the medical system? And she says, oh, absolutely. I used to work for a, a, an insurance company. They told us, why? Now, these are, this is my wife's experience. This was the experience of a lot of people that went through this program. Some people did get better in time, but some people had a longer sort of chronic problem, and it wasn't to do with the mind. All I'm saying, Richard, is that scale that up by a city, by a county, by a province or a state, by a country. Um, I look at my governments at, the, at all the various levels, and I see just corruption all the way through. I, I, and I see either that or, or, or they just don't know what they're doing. They just, they're just dumb or they don't know what they're doing or both. I, I, I don't want to devolve into this, but, but I guess what I'm saying is that these things are, are possible. I know what you're saying. It's a grand scale. It's ridiculous. How could that happen so large? I don't know. I can't answer you, but, but there's a lot of well, data. But, and all right. Let me stop you there because I agree there's corruption in many different places, but there's also institutions which are empowered by law to root out and punish corruption. There are, there are Sorry. example after example after example. Do they catch everybody? No. Do they catch maybe 20%? Maybe. 30%? Maybe. But whose fault is that? In other words, if people don't complain, did your wife complain? Did she blow the yes. whistle on these guys? And what happened? She, we, she went to court. We had a wonderful lawyer. She won. and um, got So you know, the system worked, should have. The corruption was found out, was but, it not? But, but yes, yes. But okay, so nothing's perfect. Human beings are horrible people when you meet them in mass. Individually, they're great, but in mass, they become mobs. If you have mob psychology, in other words, look the other way. If you have an industry that's built on corruption, I mean, I could tell you horror stories about the medical profession from you know my twenty years with Robin that would curl your hair. For me, independently, I am, you know, perfect after having almost died because of a combination of mainstream medicine and her menstruation. So it, it becomes, is it so institutionalized that corruption has overwhelmed the good guys? Are the good guys I, I, losing in every facet and the bad guys are winning? And I guess that's where I, 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 I differ with a lot of people because I think the reason the bad guys win is because good guys don't give a damn. They just don't care enough 
to take that effort to combat evil when they see it. It's easier to go along to get along. I would agree with you on that. And even tonight I had – well, it ended up into a heated discussion with my eldest son. He's he's 22. And I, you know, he spent time with friends, and it's it's a time right now. And in fact, they were in hot tubs. But it was that <laughs> at his friend's place. And I said, "What do you guys talk about?" And he looked at me, glaring. Oh, we're going to talk about this again. And I, no, I'm asking <laughs> you a question. No, I, I get in trouble for bringing up anything to do with you know what I'm seeing as a massive bring down of humanity on on many many levels. But anyway, and and again, Richard, I think you you agree. It's just that where this is coming from is the question, what is this about and who is, I mean, I'm talking to more and more people who I would call the normies, who are very mainstream, who have taken their shots and even taken their boosters and are starting to use language like tyranny, like, oh, this incites violence. And I'm thinking, whoa, the language, now this, the person I'm thinking of is using it in a reverse way. I won't get into the details, but other people I've spoken to have said, it feels like there's a third rail underneath all of this. And I said, that's the feeling I'm getting too, is that whatever our differences are in understanding the data and who's coming out with it, there's something unnerving behind all of it. That's the sense I'm getting. Well, as I let, say, me, let, me, let, me, let me raise a couple of ideas here. What if, as the physics is changing, let's go back to the hyperdimensional model, which says, as the physics is changing, remember the cliche, the good are getting better and the bad are getting worse Yes. in public. So you see public officials who are committing, you know, public suicide by doing and saying things that are outrageous. They no longer do them in private. They kind of boast about them, leaving the rest of, of the culture, the you know, population to decide <clears throat> is that good or is that bad based on their actions. They're no longer concealing all sure. these things going on. So it comes down to choice. It's the choice. It's the choice. Plus, if the physics is changing and we're all becoming more aware, think of it as increased sensitivity, there could be this detection that there's an undercurrent. Yeah, we're being lied to, but they don't know where the lie is coming from. So then you have mass media like Fox News, a huge network with an extraordinary audience that we've never had to deal with before, which systematically with huge funding is saying a whole bunch of things that are at variance with a whole bunch of other things. So they develop a, a following, a constituency. So just with the, with, with the crowd that believes there might be stuff on the moon and on Mars, what happened right after we landed on the moon? There was a well-paid campaign. I watched it develop live at JPL literally before the uh, Apollo astronauts had reached the Pacific. I watched the conspiracy theory that we never landed on the moon being born in the JPL newsroom, being squired the guy, around the, the guy in the, in the, in the big dust hand, yeah. handing out the, handing out the leaflet. So if you, if you have a, a group of people, let's say they're at the cutting edge and they ask questions about everything. They think there could be conspiracies. They have this, kind of, you know, extra-sensory perception, there's something rotten here. If you give them a false conspiracy as opposed to the truth, they'll follow the false conspiracy because their conspiracy bump will have been scratched. The confirmation that, yeah, there's something wrong will have been satisfied, been led down the wrong canyon by design. 
I'm saying it's not easy being green. It's incredibly difficult these days to figure out truth from lies. You have to invoke a whole new set of skills. And most people aren't, aren't born knowing how to think, how to process data, how to eliminate nonsense and find the signal. And they're being thrown into the deep end of the pool because now nobody trusts anyone on anything, including this show, including the other side of the news, including Fox, including MSNBC, including CBS, ABC, uh, and, 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 you know, PBS. Nobody is trusted. No institutions. The CDC, the FDA, NASA. Now we have the intelligence community telling us that, in fact, there could be extraterrestrials. That's a political statement. What we have is factual data based on gun camera footage, radar, you know, pilot reports, congressional briefings, now a Pentagon document saying there are UFOs and somebody's flying them. And obviously the data says they're of extraordinary competence. They have control of gravity, which gives them everything they would want. We don't have it publicly. Do we have it privately? Probably. Which nation on earth probably would have that level of technology, that skill set? We do. Which nation has suffered the most COVID deaths of any on the planet? We have. We are the target. And so no wonder there is this incredible you know, dissatisfaction with any truth, any claim, any institution, because it's by design. We are being manipulated and maneuvered into distrusting everything and everyone to our own peril. And with that, we're at the top of the hour. So I'm going to pause here. Um, my guest this morning, too numerous to mention, you can go to the website if you want to uh, uh, take a look. Um, this, is, this is a very important time, probably the most important in modern human history because and again coincidences are to be examined carefully all of this is happening as the physics the background reality of our three-dimensional existence in the hyperdimensional model is peaking as it has not done for 26,000 years and again is that a coincidence I don't think so I think that some entities, some off-world entities, some of them manifest as physical vehicles doing incredible things, now admitted by the top intelligence official of the United States government as being quite probably extraterrestrial, are doing something to confront the human species of this planet as the physics is peaking as it hasn't as it has not done for 26,000 years you're on the other side of midnight my name is Richard C. Hoagland we shall return
TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and truth. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, to this Sunday night edition of The Other Side of Midnight, November 14th. My guests this morning, Andrew Curry and John Womack and Ron Gerbron, and, of course, Keith is uh, standing by as well. Um, I'll tell you what, Andrew, I want to come back to you, but I want to uh, uh, go to John to see if his reaction is as, uh, shall we say, interesting as uh, you other guys. So, John? You have the floor. Wow. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a different perspective than most people. And I've been evolving myself in the spirit world for oh, five decades or so. And I think I, said, I mentioned last week how I, I've run into some nasty characters along the way. And there is a war in the spirit world. Actually, it it originates in the spirit world, in this higher vibratory frequency where, like the aliens, they live there. That's where souls, you know, all this kind of thing. It's this dreamlike, lucid dream world, this reality that where we all come from and then we all return to when we die. So anyway, I try to look at things from there first because... That's where things originate, and then they filter down into time space. So okay, let me let, let me stop you there. I'm going to ask you the sure. same question I asked Bruce last night. Remember, Bruce Solheim is you know by day he's a mild mannered professor, and by night you know he's this crusading higher dimensional guy who talks to folks like you do and all that. I asked him last night, how do you know you're not being deceived? In other words, why is this from this information? on the kind of rule of thumb, as above, so below. Why is this, from, this information only limited to 3D? Could it not permeate these higher dimensional realms, these so-called spiritual realms, where, as I said the other night, um, if someone came to you, a total stranger, and said, I have the secrets of the universe, would you believe them? Why would you believe someone just because they don't have a body who says they have the secrets of the universe? In other words, how do you define credibility and verisimilitude in that realm well it's a much less filtered realm you don't how do you know here in time space you're in a body you're in a brain body so that you can yes but information is information is information so how do you validate that the information you're getting is in fact accurate information when you're a spirit you don't have that brain body to 
as a go-between, as a, a vehicle. So your energy is right out, it's right there, out in the open. Okay, let me see if, remember, I'm an initiate at all this. Are we talking basically something like pattern matching? In other words, instead of having the intermediate step of communication of language in three dimensions, yeah. when you encounter an entity in a higher dimension, you basically can map your consciousness directly onto that consciousness. And if there is a dissonance, that shows up as a uh, alarm bell in the pattern match, which is how you know if someone is lying or prevaricating or try to portray a, a reality which is not real? Hmm, not sure I would put it that way, but uh, your soul is on display. But see, those are just words. What does it really mean? How does it work? What's the physics of your soul is on display? It's uh, telepathy. Yeah, all the communication is telepathy, of course. Yep. Yeah, but can't you lie Prove it. If, you're, if you're a telepath? No. Why not? Because <laughs> you, you read people's thoughts. That's how you communicate. And well, no, no, no. See, when people see, are see, trying... Get, get below that. Go to the next level. To me, the only way that could work would be it's not so much the communication as the pattern matching of the communication, which allows you to validate what's real and not real. Well, I don't know, but, um, you know, your shine is, it's, it's right there out in the open, your, your energy, your thoughts and emotions. I think, and, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think we're kind of saying the same thing, but from very different perspectives. So let me, let me, let me grant the point that it's a lot more difficult to prevaricate if you're missing the transducers of three-dimensional, you know, bodies and language and all that. Correct. Then when you meet an entity, are you instantly aware this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, and I'm <sighs> using the term guys to cover everything? Yes, that's true. So I... there's instant recognition. You don't yes. find someone and then only learn through repeated contact oh, this entity is not quite what they appear to be or what they purported to be. Correct. So it's the instantaneous pattern match recognition which lets you know if they have good intent or bad intent. Yeah, it's all in there. It's in their energy. I mean, you feel it. Okay, well, see, this is important it. to yeah. get as a kind of a foundation so people who think we're totally nuts to talk about this stuff, they at least may follow the premise that at this level of interpersonal, inter, you know, incredibly personal communication, it's really, really difficult to lie. Now, the next question would be, a sufficiently sophisticated hyperdimensional being could theoretically create a persona, could create a signature, could create a pattern that would match what you think is a good guy pattern and still be dissembling. Is that not possible? I would say no. Why not? It just doesn't, from my experience, it doesn't work that way. Uh, if you're evil, it's, you radiate that. Yeah, but then what makes you evil? 
How do you define evil? Well, <laughs> evil entities, <clears throat> they tend to want to subjugate and have control over people, and that's how they want power. They have a lust for power. Hmm. Ron, you had something you were saying. Go ahead, about telepathy. Uh, yeah, actually, I was just going to ask if I could stick a thing in there, because the, uh, right there, right where you are, because the recognition of uh, evil or something like that, that requires a context. You have to have a reason to think so. This is why politicians get away with it sometimes, because people, the matrix within which people perceive them which is basically generated by the uh, per the viewer, if you will, not by that person broadcasting it. Um, you know, they think they're fine. Then they find out of, after a while that they're not. You know, it's it can be disconcerting. And spirits can lie. There's no reason why they cannot lie, but the, mostly to us, to each other, no, because they're on the same bandwidth. I won't say wavelength. Uh, mm-hmm. And can same plane, Bardo, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and when you're on the same footing, uh, the, tele- the uh, telepathy makes that in- uh, impossible. You're sharing the kinds of thoughts that people lie about. Mm. You know what I'm, okay. you know what I'm right. saying? Uh, and the, uh, yeah. the idea of him let, not being recognized. Since you guys, you know, <clears throat> of the five of us here, you guys have had, uh, or at least John has had the direct experience. Um. I believe in our previous conversations, John, you said one of the reasons for incarnation in 3D reality is for soul evolution, right? Correct. Yes. Change. In, in increasing of something, what is the something that's evolving in a soul? Knowledge and experience. Okay, knowledge and experience. What about capability? i.e. power. Yes, capability, absolutely. Okay. So at some point in a soul's, and I'm using very archaic terms, I would prefer a hyperdimensional entity as, as opposed to soul, this increasing complexity, this increasing sophistication, this increasing capability means an increase in power of shaping reality, right? Shaping reality? Well, yeah, I don't yeah. know, but you just evolve as a soul. And... Yeah, but what does evolution mean? Evolution means you start here and you move through there and then over to there. There's, there's a yeah. change of quality. These are very abstract philosophical terms tonight, folks. Bear with us, okay? At some point in that evolution, when does a soul slash hyperdimensional entity develop enough capability to project a false persona where you can't penetrate the screens. The entity is good or bad because they can manipulate your inferior, less evolved soul capability. Otherwise, the concept of evolution is pointless, is meaningless. Mm, Whales used to have feet. They can't walk now. Say again. Can I add? Yeah, I'm, I, I, that was I, evolution. I want to. I want to come back. I just want to close this point out. So, if if because I'm I'm thinking in terms of the hyperdimensional realm, <clears throat> we have 
you know, like new souls, new entities, novitiates, you know, kind of like, you know, innocent as a newborn babe. And then you've got really ancient, highly evolved, incredibly powerful entities that basically can manipulate reality to anything they damn well want. And you, as an inferior, meaning less evolved soul, can't touch them. You don't even detect that there are flaws in the matrix because they control your matrix. No, I think because when you get to the evolved point, you're, you are, there's no um, deception in you. There's no room for ah, it. It's, it's been long. But is that not an assumption? You know, so what well, I hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, John, John, is that not an okay. assumption? Because remember the old cliche, power corrupts, infinite power corrupts infinitely. So if you have an incredibly powerful being, why would that being be morally what you would think of as good as opposed to bad if the ultimate objective is simple power? Well, you have very old evil people on the other side. Ah. Yes, they, you can refuse to evolve if you can you want to live more evil lives you want to be evil longer you don't want to upgrade yet so i ran into here's an experience i had you know like the emperor in star wars would you call him evil he's an evil character uh, right? pretty much so yes pretty much i go to bed at night and this was about a week after i had been writing shotgun with President Trump. And I'm usually, this was um, in December of 2020, so it was after the election. And I'm usually drawn to these situations because there's some trouble, or somebody looking to make trouble, some evil entity. <laughs> and Somehow they were able to track me down because like a week later, I go to bed. I'm lying there very quiet. I haven't left my body, gone anywhere, but I'm in that lucid state, you know, with the vibrations and my heart's beating once or twice a minute. But I'm just still lying in bed, very quiet. And then I hear a noise and it's the middle of the night. It's very quiet in the neighborhood. So I'm lying there for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then I hear a noise out front. It's somebody is coming up to my house because they just brushed against the chain link fence, and I just heard the little chain link. I was like, "Who? who's coming up to my, up my driveway at 3 a.m. in the morning? So I get out of bed, and I walk out to the living room. I look out the picture window, and I see these two tall, slender, let's call them people, two men. And they come walking up the driveway and then they walk past the picture window and their head is above the window. So these are eight foot tall beings. And as they come up to the house, I can feel the evil is just pouring off of them. It's so strong. It's like Two emperors. I mean, these are dark angels, very powerful beings. And they're looking for 
They're not looking for me, really. They're looking for Ram. For who? Ram is my alter ego in the spirit world. I, oh, okay. When I was, yeah, when I was seven, I saw the Superman cartoon. Oh, yeah, you, you talked about I that. Started, okay, okay. Yes. So I believe they detected me when I was riding shotgun with Trump. And you have and I like a fingerprint in the spirit world. So they were following that. And, you know, I've learned how to mask that over the, the years. So they come walking out to the door and I was, Richard, I was really scared because they caught me off guard and it was either going to be probably the most intense throwdown I've ever had or well, I, there's this knock on the door, you know, and it's very ominous. They're, they want to come in. They think Rams in here. Mm-hmm. So, I don't want to truncate this, but we got to move along a little here. Well, I, I played Clark Kent. I said I called out. I'm calling the police. <laughs> Okay. There was this long pause because they're expecting this knockdown, drag out brawl. And then they get here and there's some, you know, somebody's going, oh, call the police. I'm going to the closet. I'm getting the slugger, the Louisville slugger. You know, it was that kind of thing. And they turned around and they left because they were convinced they had the wrong person. They they lost the signals. They mistracked it, and uh, hmm. that was a close call. And it's very very scary. But um, but these this, are old... this, this was in the three dimensional realm. No, I once they they left. I went back to bed and I realized because I see my body laying there. I'm like, oh gosh, I I was out of body. I just got up out of my body. I didn't even realize it. So yeah, I was in the spirit realm then. And they were coming to attack my soul, uh, Ram, they were looking for, you know, this superhero. And um, But these, these dark angels, when you're young souls and you get in, sucked into that whole evil thing, you don't, a lot of them, they want to not evolve. And at some point they have to, if you want to get to a shiny godlike being, you have to get through the evil stuff and all that is gone at that point. There's no room for it. It's all been cleaned out. You're these. Well, this conversation could take an entire show and we do do want to get on to some other things here. Well, I want to connect the interplanetary realm with all of this. So Andrew, you had something you wanted to to add. Yeah. A couple things. Um, Oh, it's grown. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I mean, this, this concept of, uh, spiritual growth or some sort of chakra ascension, um, yeah, what, whatever terms you want to use, whatever time period, whatever culture, we can look at an image and see something in it that looks really friendly. And another person can look at the image and see something horrific. It just So is it, is it because someone has a higher chakra level? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Richard, is that, is that, it depends on who, what, what, what your filters are, what your propensities are. You know what I mean? Like, how do we know how far along we are along that, that scale? And here's another one. You talked about a being that can change things. Well, our 
a wonderful pop culture example is Q from oh, Star yeah. Trek. Yep. And can you describe what he did, Richard? I mean, I, I, I understand it's a pop culture thing, so it's, it's fiction. But Well, but it? is it fiction? Because remember, Gene was supposed to be talking to this group of entities called the Council of Nine. It's come out over the years that he had hyperdimensional sourcing for the background and plots and layout, the, the so-called Star Trek universe. So to me, the Q continuum of a reality to which he had been introduced, however, you know, um, it was filtered, and it reflected itself in the plot lines of, of an amazing set of, uh, you know, television shows and movies that have basically made popular concepts that up until then were really only talked about by a very tiny fraction of the population. In other words, it democratized concepts that would come into their own, if my calculations are correct, around now when the physics is peaking. Let us, let us tie this back to why there's been this incredible dissembling about what's on other planets, okay? Um, what, do you think, what do you guys think of the, uh, the conference at the National Cathedral uh, that I talked about last night and alluded to uh, in the first part of the show? Don't you think the timing is incredibly uh, suspect? Well, one thing you mentioned uh, a short while ago was that aliens are showing themselves like, hey, look what we can do. No, they've been showing themselves throughout time, and they really don't. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I said. Would people stop misquoting me? I said the vehicles appearing over battle fleets in yeah. a military context in a very offensive, threatening power demonstration. Why, see, that's, it's not, uh, why do you say it's offensive? Because they didn't blow why the ship would, up. Yeah, but why would yeah, you be doing that right. unless you were threatening with power that the guys down below on the ocean can't possibly match? Well, you're applying ant theology, you know, theory to beings that are gods compared to us. We're the ants, so you can't really look at it from our perspective. Of course you, have to you look can. At it from their perspective. No, you well, can't. No, you don't have no, to. Both of you, these, they're not, these, these are they're not any wiser than us. These are, these are well, I, I think John is mistaking the UAPs for higher spiritual entities. I'm saying they're ships, nuts and bolts hmm. ships. Operating, you know, like any other ships in three dimensions. Drones, sure, yeah. Well, they don't have to. They could be occupied. They don't have to be drones. Or if occupied. You, if you control, yeah. if you control gravity and inertia, you know, they could be quote manned. Um, the the fact is, their their maneuvers, their battle maneuvering, is not is it is not benign. It's not an accident. They're appearing over, you know, aircraft carrier fleets as opposed to over Times Square or over no, Washington. No, I, I disagree. It's just, I mean, it's more like sightseeing. It's, it's, you know, they're looking. When you travel, the galaxy becomes a very small place when you can travel through these tubes. So they are going through thousands of worlds they, they look at. Again, and, John, these are assumptions. Have you talked to any of these guys? These are my assumptions from my experience. Ha have you talked to these guys who are performing over U.S. naval aircraft carrier fleets? Well, I've had telepathic communication with 
UFOs and, you know, the people. Again, you're avoiding the question with these guys, the specific group, the so-called Tic Tacs, who are playing games with military, terrestrial, defensive power, the best we've got, supposedly, in broad daylight, like they want to be visible. They want to be, they're making a statement, you know, McLuhan, the medium is the message. They're not operating on a benign level. They're operating on a very offensive, look what we've got, but you can't touch level. That's I don't a, think so. Richard, they never attack us unless they're attacked first. You don't know they're that. You don't know that because it's all classified. Well, then how do we know anything? We because we know, we know what is revealed through the recent flap, pun intended, of news reports, congressional you know, discussions, background briefings and the Pentagon report where again and again the it's some other power on earth that has this technology is quickly gone by and the the conversants including Ms. Haynes talks about extraterrestrials in a perfectly calm dead manner perspective we are being conditioned that there are ETs A and B they may not be friendly so, uh, Andrew, I think you wanted to say something. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have the whole UFO frenzy right at the moment in France, when there was literally, I believe, seven, well, multiple cities, sightings of this um, rectangular uh, thing that was this glowing thing that was making all these weird moves. And there's another one um, from the UK just now, a doorbell, uh, doorbell camera picked up a triangular object moving through the night sky. So something's revealing itself in rapidity now, Richard. And it's funny how it's happening all around this time. Well, have you heard these... about the things going on in China? I've been trying to follow what's going on in China. It's very difficult because, again, the information coming out of China is instantly incredibly polarized. But they're apparently, according to mainstream television reports you can actually go to the web and find these these networks they're reporting mysterious explosions all over right. china yeah. for no kind reason them, right? and you got you got camera video of you know it looks like 911 buildings suddenly you know bursting into flame collapsing into the streets etc cetera, etc cetera. then most recent reports are widespread electrical power failures all over China, which are very intriguing, very disturbing, and are being hushed up by the Chinese, as one would imagine. Remember my scenario, China was the first victim of of COVID-19 because they got out of line. They did not do the, the bidding of their masters, whoever they are, and so they were being punished. Well, they apparently have continued to transgress and they're being punished even more. Again, these are not tourists, John. These are someone who has a technology that can basically flatten any city on the planet. If they wanted to, but they, that's not, I mean, we're one of a thousand worlds they visit. They, that's your assumption. This as is I, my as theory. I, as you I, have your as, theory. As I, I no, have I have data. Theory. I have data. As I have data I, as, from as 50 I, as years I, of OBE. As I said last night, <laughs> of all the solar systems we have looked at, and we're coming up to a, a break here, of all the solar systems we have looked at, this one, out of four or 5,000 examples now known, 
turns out to be unique. So we're not just a run-of-the-mill place. There's something very special, very non, uh, you know, Copernican about what went on and is going on here. We are a focal point for something, and I do believe it's this larger dimensional war. The ongoing experiment may be in something as fundamental as simple free will. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard Z. Hoagland. Don't touch that dial. other side of midnight.com talk radio with pictures on demand liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought join club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Listen while you travel or as an environment for your endeavors. Eight cents an episode, two and a half cents per hour of content. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight for this Sunday night. Almost Monday morning here in the Land of Enchantment, November 14th. My guests this morning include Ron Gerbron and Andrew Curry and Jonathan Womack. And Keith is also here, Keith uh, Morgan. I believe someone wanted to say something. Was that Ron right there before the break? Ron? Yes, that was me. There you yeah, are. I just wanted to contribute. I just wanted to contribute to the Tic Tac thing. The uh, you're aware that uh, in the 15th century, the same things were seen over a battlefield full of crusaders. Joan of Arc even saw them. Well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the Charlemagne experience, from which we got the cross mm-hmm. and in this sign you shall conquer, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, somebody's been around for a long time. Say again? Yeah, and they weren't they weren't killing yeah, and they weren't they were not killing crusaders nor interacting with them. They were just checking it out. I'm just I, I'm just supporting what uh, John was saying. I mean, ultimately everything's in the yeah, but you can't take these data points separately because coincidental with the whole Tic Tac thing, suddenly we get COVID nineteen, which is a viciously designed virus which is adapting, which seems adaptive, meaning someone's doing something to it more rapidly than natural mutation. And even areas that are supposedly secure are not secure. Like there is a broad front attack on the planet 
in this model. And then you have the intelligence people who would rather die than admit that anything unusual has ever been going on. There's been a total change of phase, of state. You've got the DNI saying they're out there. You've got Bill Nelson, the head of NASA, saying they're out there. There's not much higher you can go before it becomes common knowledge, and then, you know, it's going to be Katie bar the door. Why is this being disclosed now? Because in my model, there's been a political sea state change. Something is different now than was was when, let's say, Charlemagne saw his UFOs. What's That's different? Alignment. What's different is the physics. This is a decision time. This is when this grand experiment, whatever earth and this system was created to do is coming to another nodal point and there's this war you know biden said it himself in his campaign the soul the war for the soul of america well it's the soul of the planet it's the soul of human beings that war that multi-dimensional war is coming to a head now and all weapons are being used again in this model that would explain the uh, destruction that you say you've heard about happening in China, because they're known that if they saw something, un- if they saw something they couldn't identify flying around, they would automatically shoot at it. I mean, their protocols are different than ours. We're very reticent to to engage unnecessarily. Well, that's kind and- of silly because you know, remember the the Jim Croce song, "Don't pull on Superman's cape, don't spit into the wind." That would be really, really I dumb. Chinese are not dumb, and that would be incredibly well, we dumb. Yeah, well, they're not dumb, but they follow orders. You know, the, uh, if they were in sensitive areas, and I have no idea where the sensitive areas in uh, China's uh, well, tonight I got I got emails saying there are <clears throat> supposedly widespread power outages all over China. Now, again, I get so many garbage emails that I have to kind of separate signal from noise. So I'm looking for more than one source, but I have seen documented these explosions all over China for no apparent reason in cities, north and south. The cities are named. The the locations are named. There's video of these buildings being blown up. Uh, So that is that is, you know, beyond question. Something bizarre is happening in China at the same time, by the way, that China is running at warp nine away from what it's found on Mars with the Zerung lander, which is they landed deliberately in the middle of a bunch of buried ancient ruins. So with that note, why don't we talk to, to Andrew? Andrew, you got some artwork up there about the Chinese Martian ruins. Yes. Yes. So we should go to the other side of midnight, excuse me, dot com and you caught me off guard there. And we go to uh, our fast links, right? Yep. Yes, fast links to items. And if you go to mine, Andrew, just click on that. And this is something that I picked up from Ron. Actually, Ron's been doing some – Richard, I think you know this. John, I'm not sure if you do, but Ron's been doing some – well, he always does stunning work. But recently, he's been like literally picking out stuff and – it's unbelievable. I, I'm not always sure where it is that he's getting it from. He names the names, and he's then he's talking about five thousand other things. But the stuff that he he's 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 finding is incredible, and this is one of them. And this is Ron. Do you want to just? Uh, no, you can't see where we're at. Well, I'll just describe it. <laughs> Number one. Yeah, I, no, I can see. I can see it. I can see the. 
Oh, okay. I wanna, if I want to. Andrews, Andrews up, item uh, number one. I'm bouncing yeah. down. I'm bouncing down to your images there. Which one? Yeah. It's the f- number one. My poster number one that says AC a nowhere land plane. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the Chinese. Oh, mine went to my image one. Sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. I know where it is. I'll find, I'll get there. Well, Richard, can you set this up and then I'll I'll get it. It's it's the Utopia. Oh, Foundation. it's the same picture. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, that's uh, the same picture is the is the first. Uh, there's a full size version of it in my items as the first item, which are yeah, not okay. which is not annotated. Andrews are annotated. So go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They can look at both. They can. Um, everybody's good. So this yeah, is it's um, those feathers. Yeah, go I'm cut, cut, I'm cutting off, Ron. Do it again. Say it again. Oh no, no, I'm just directing them to yours. Yeah, you've got a, you got, a, you've got two of them. Uh, yeah, you've got a close up of a couple of them, which are not the original picture. I don't mean. There's the, too I many, mean, gentlemen, they, all over this area where the Chinese deliberately landed. There are these extraordinary um, Frank Lloyd Wright kind yeah. of blend into the terrain scenery. Incredible, obvious buildings, mega just, buildings. Yeah. And I chose this one, Richard. I mean, Ron describes it as possibly we're seeing just the tops of them, and they're, but they may not be that much lower. Isn't that how you, you stated it, Ron? This could be just their rooftops. They could be a little taller. Kind of looks just, like, yeah, it kind of looks like something with a sort of a Monterey Spanish sort of decor that's filled in up to halfway up the windows. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And so what I did is I just again zoomed in on one of these. I see repeating archways. I see repeating. Oh, windows. they're obvious. It's obvious, obvious. Yeah. The thing on the right, which is an enlargement of the uh, structure in the bottom left, is a building. It's a big building. In fact, I'd estimate it's maybe two thousand feet long. Yeah, and you see it over and over again, and and. Again, I don't know how to explain this as a natural phenomenon. Let's go to my number two. Uh, so we come out of that. And, oh, okay, so you okay. don't mean number two on this one graphic. You mean the second graphic in your second poster. radio. Second picture. poster. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. So I call this. Nice. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah so oh, I classy. Took... Great work, Andrew. Wow. Yeah, so again, just like Ron said, I mean, these look like Moorish architecture, you know, just uh, I also picked up on the Ajanta Caves in India, this idea of, of carving into, uh, um, you know, the landscape, but all, I think these are more built than, than carved into. And then the last image on the very bottom, and I put them all in black and white, so they would, you know, no color would stand out. This is the Shine Dome in Australian in Australia, the, which is the Australian Academy of Science, Science, and it's a big dome with these arches going around. And so I, I was looking for, again, which I've done in the past, is examples, earthly examples that seem to echo the kinds of things we are seeing on these other planets, especially Mars. So for me, Richard, this is um, more evidence that we're looking at. I agree with you, a seer Enron, a series of ancient civilizations on Mars. You know, um, Richard, I, um, I had a really interesting discussion with a friend today uh, who talked about, you know, when you're talking about Earth being special, um, you know, if we were not, I mean, if we are the Martians and we eventually had to end up here, why were we not here in the first place? I know I'm sort of opening up a, a whole can of well, worms. Well, no, no, but... no, 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 no. The model is that we were... But a, a, a portion of proto-humanity, Homo erectus, was taken to Mars. 
was genetically modified, tinkered with, and evolved separately from the rest of terrestrial humans and then came back relatively recently because of drastic, you know, deteriorating Martian conditions, you know, maybe 30,000 years ago. They, they, we came back and now we have two populations which are mixed together. One which is used to be indigenous terrestrials and one descendants of relatively more recent immigrants. And that opens up such a can of worms that we don't have the time to go into what the ultimate effects might be culturally, religiously, politically, genetically, but you can extrapolate until I get the right experts. I don't want to, you know, dive deeply into that conversation, but it could be one How of would the experts know. It, because they're supposed to do research, you know, like real science. There are real scientists out there. Mm-hmm. I just have to find the right ones that are looking at this. Like Bruce gave me a lead last night for somebody who apparently has done some very deep thinking. He's a philosopher, but he done some very deep thinking about all this data, including the structures found all around the solar system. So it's a matter of identifying people who have been excluded as a class of scientists because their science, their insights, their research, their, their awarenesses do not comport with the mainstream. And therefore, they are drummed out of the core up to this point. Well, you know what's really interesting? You just said finding ancient spaceships and different settlements all over the solar system. Well, this design that Ron found that I'm focused on here that I'm saying looks like the repeating archways of a Moorish architecture. By the way, this is just south of the Zerong landing site. That's right. The little Uh, rover from the Chinese is trundling along in this direction from the top of of the frame, from the top of the photograph. And these are photographs yeah. from MRO. These are not That's Chinese right. images from orbit. No, these no. are the high-resolution, you know, Hubble basically in orbit around Mars camera on Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter looking down at where the Chinese landed. And lo and behold, there's stunning Moorish architecture down there. Yeah. And wow. you can do this. Yeah, and you can do this over and over again. And you know what, Richard? This is – I know this is, you know, jumping out on our huge giant – twig of the speculation here but this repeating sort of undulating almost um corrugated roof uh, roof liner or whatever we want to call it archways was making me recall the new horizons flyby oh. of what used to be known as ultima Thule, and i can't I, what is it called now uh, I, I forget i forget the new yeah. politically correct name <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was much but more accurate when they had the original name. Well, Richard, if you could explain what Ultima Thule and what the it's now called, what that was that that uh, New Horizons flew past, and then I'll give you, uh, I'll tell you what I'm what I'm talking about after you fill in the audience. About well, that. I, either I can do it, Ron. Why don't you do it? Okay, I was just going to look it up for you because I can't remember the name off the top of my okay, head. Okay, Ultima Thule was part... That'll only take a second. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll, I'll find it for you. The benefits of real-time Google. Okay, Ultima Thule 
was a concept that sprang from the 20s and 30s folk mythology of the Nazis, that there was this ancient super race of beings, progenitors of the white Germans, the Aryan race, that lived in the upper regions of the planet, in the northern latitudes. Hyperborea was one term, and it was called Ultima Thule, meaning the ultimate ends, the ultimate plateau, the, the supreme, um, well, the, the, basically the living place for the master race. And when NASA kind of realized what they had done, of course, this is all the cover story, because they put the name Ultima Thule on this little object because it represents this ancient master race, white relative civilization that they're hiding. You know, remember, NASA got invaded by the Nazis after World War II as part of Paperclip, so the Nazis took over NASA. Although most of NASA did not know they were taken over by Nazis, that's a whole other discussion. I mean, just look at Werner von Braun's heritage or Kurt Debus or any of the luminaries from the Apollo program. Nazis ran the program, sent us to the moon to go and find stuff that the Nazis think is part of their heritage. So when Kennedy proposed sharing Apollo, the Russians, with the commies, the dead enemies of the Nazis, what did the Nazis do? They killed Kennedy. And that's a long series of books by uh, Jim Mars and some other, you know, uh, uh, Kennedy assassination researchers. But that's what it boils down to. Anyway, Ultima Thule became so politically hot that NASA was forced by, again, peer pressure, the multiple levels of checks and balances to change the name to something much less, uh, shall we say, uh, disquieting and disclosing to something that is now lost in mythology because I can't even remember what the new cover name is. But it's the same place. Fanfare, it's now called Arrowcoff. Which came from? What does it mean? Well, it's a contraction of Green Arrow and Koss the um, Vorlon from Babylon 5. Oh, sure, come on. They have some <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might as well be. Uh, yeah, A-R-R-O-K-O-T-H. And, Which um, translates to? First of all, from what, uh, from what culture is the name? I seem to remember that it's uh, possibly Inuit. It's a, or yeah. you know, Eskimo is a it was some sort of first nation. Yeah. First Nations are Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah. It's a, first, it's a First Nation thing, and it's actually two planetesimals that are very close together. And um, it was uh, – usually they say that. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, Powhatan. No, no, no. They're North American Indians. Yeah, Powhatan. Powhatan word, which means sky. It means shiny sky. How but also it's, to what we're it sometimes means clouds. Mm-hmm. Well, if if I could just finish, so so this object, Richard, is one of our double-lobed um, so-called asteroids in the Kuiper Belt, which, by the way, we seem to have many double-lobed objects that gently mm. fuse together and cement wonderfully. Yeah, they, they they should collide at several miles per second, and instead they kind of kiss each other like two marshmallows in, in yeah. the mainstream model. How do they get they don't they just wave their arms about how that happens because it's it's what they want to have happened. 
They're not, they're not doing real science. They're doing no. political science. So the image that New Horizons took, and of course New Horizons was the probe that did the flyby past Pluto back in, was it 2015 now? 2015. Isn't it amazing? Oh my gosh. Anyways, on one of the, on, on one of the big lobes, I started to analyze, and they didn't give us a very good image of this, I don't think. It was really, um, had a lot of noise in it, but I pulled out what I could, and Richard, I found a very similar fluted series of what I call arch arches as part of the larger complex on that. I, I didn't bring it here because I should have, but what I'm saying is that not only are we seeing certain models, like a double-lobed asteroid or maybe a spaceship or a habitation but we're seeing architecture repeating itself Mm -hmm. eerily all over the solar system it's fascinating or nature works in mysterious ways yeah sure sure okay again the head of the defense you know establishment is saying they're extraterrestrials come on we're in a whole new regime why are they telling us the truth obviously because they perceive they're extraterrestrials a and b They could be a threat. And look what's going on in China. We know there are explosions occurring all over the country because Roddenberry's rule, we're seeing it on television. There are rumors now of widespread electrical power outages. I don't have video of those, but that's incredible because it looks like the Chinese have basically uh, offended somebody, somebody who is uh, powerful enough to do what they're doing without uh, fear of reprisal. I have seen major uh, major uh, mainstream reports that China's power grid is very, very fragile at this point. They're overextended. Okay. And so that, that would explain some of the blackouts. But uh, the cities that are getting leveled, do you have any idea if any no, of them no, are no, the no, cities, No, again, please don't misquote me. Cities are not being leveled. Individual buildings okay. and research centers ah are having massive explosions, some of which have been caught on, get this, Chinese have smart cameras, they have phones, they have iPhones, they are taking video, they're putting it on the net, it's getting out. So we know the explosions are real because the the reports of power outages widespread are so recent, I did not have time before showtime to go and try to triple check other sources to see if that can be confirmed. Because, again, there's a process. You don't just believe something because someone sends you an email with a link on the Internet. Ah. Yes. Where is everybody? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, Andrew, are you uh, amazing work? And, Ron, thank you for supplying uh, Andrew with these images. They're really amazing. I want to go to John next because John has some surprises for us tonight. So, uh, where it says fastening to items, click on John's name. That will take you to his section. John has done something really cool. He has gridded. Oh, my God. I'm just seeing it, John, the step pyramid. He has gridded yes. his images. So take us to Mars again. Yes. Um, there's a link here, Kinthea included, where you can go to uh, gigapan.com. And see this first gigapan for yourself. I took some. This is this is your your link number one, and John's link item. number one, correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And click on that, and it'll take you there. Wait, now I took some stills. 
I think it's pretty obvious what's there. Oh, my God. Look at that. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> that John. A, ding, oh ding, my ding. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. And it's got, it's got sub-architecture. Oh, man. Guys, are you, are you looking at this? Keith? It's so ridiculous. I'm looking at it. It's ridiculous. Where is it from? Uh, this is one of Neville Thompson's gigapans. He has about 350 gigapans. And, uh, no, 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 Exactly, we're on Mars. Oh, Perseverance, uh, curiosity. This is... Um, Looks like curiosity. It's uh, curi- uh, I think it's uh, Mount Sharp. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. It's Gale Crater. Gale yeah, Crater. It's got to be yeah. Gale, yep. So, now, wait, wait. When you say Mount Sharp, are you saying that this step pyramid is the apex? This is no. Mount Sharp? No. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, you know. Because, you know, that's a massive. I understand. I, mean, these, I understand. These, these pyramids, yeah, yeah. So, for example, some things that you might not So, notice. this is a step pyramid sitting on the slopes of Mount Sharp. It's a large pyramid on the slope, and the pyramid has two smaller pyramids on the slope. It's sloping down. This is technology. You know. And, um, I mean, just the, the pyramids on the slope, those are huge. And they're on this even larger pyramid. So this complex is massive. And it's, it has an interior, too. So there's all, we just see the outside. But um, Well, actually, I'm seeing into the interior geometry on this step pyramid. Yeah, and and all the um, the murals on the pyramids, it's it's they're highly decorated, and these would have been beautiful, magnificent, you know, back in the day when they were new and functioning. It, it would have been. Well, let's take a look at um, image number. Oh, now two. I know where it is. Yeah. Okay. Image number number two. Three. I just added a number two. Okay. Uh, two lines to indicate that, you know, this is the large pyramid that's out of the picture that we're not seeing. But that's the pyramid, and then you have the smaller pyramids on the the slope. And image number three, clicking on three, that shows the um, let's call them pharaohs on. How cool is this? On the very right of the image, uh, it would be. Row five and column H and H, I. I and J. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a face. That's a face. And the top of his head is actually, they made it an X, you know, it's a building. It's part of this complex. And the head's pointed too. If you have a pyramid and you just beside that face to the left of it and at the bottom, this would be in row seven, column H. Got in that it. square, the the upper left of that square, you can see that behind that face is another face. I can see it. Thing. I can see it. Yes. Kind of looks and like, uh, it looks like something from Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, yes. oh, what was that? A Scooby-Doo. The dog is oh. Scooby-Doo. You know, Richard, there, um, Ron, both Ron and Keith Laney has, have pointed this out, that there are caricature-like Oh yeah, sculptures. Incidentally, your 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 face, John, that is covering H I and a little bit of J mm-hmm. uh, at number six. Well, five and six. Okay, mm-hmm. those they're sub features. 
there is one directly above the eye of the big one, I uh, six, I believe, that looks like it's looking in a totally different direction. It's looking <laughs> more to the right. I'm sorry, it's 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 five I. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like the admiral in Star Wars. Mm. Remember him? Mm-hmm. See it? Off Tarkin. Yes. Yes. To see him. The one they had the CGI in the last movie. He's yeah. he's looking um, he's looking to the right of the yeah. camera. May I ask an uncomfortable question here? Sorry. Really? You're on the other side of midnight. Part of my uncomfortable questions. Wow. There are no color pictures from Curiosity during that period, meaning now. I ha- I'm looking right now at one that I worked on trying to do something with the black and white pictures that they have provided. I'm looking at a picture of Mount So you're Merkou saying this is, a, this is a tinted image? Or tinted Completely colorized. Okay, but, but yeah. in terms of the yeah, geometry... That's not, that's, that's not fatal, I just... But in, well, no, of course not, because in terms of geometry, it's irrelevant. The only real reason to see well, color is because it lets you differentiate the geometry, the background detail. Here, the detail is so blatantly obvious... You know, the fact that they've made it color and not black and white helps. It doesn't hurt. If this was all black and white, it'd be harder for most folks to see. Uh, I wish I could send you the black and white, because that's one I worked on, The uh, that very lump there. It, it it does stand out. It's really it's really remarkable, but I didn't Your mileage didn't may vary. That. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just find things are easier yeah, in color. Oh, here, I found, the pyra- I found the pyramid. I can give you the image number if anybody wants it. Well, let's just just post it as a link in your section afterwards, okay? I think we're one minute out from the break, Richard. Yeah, thank you for someone who's watching the time. Oh, my, 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 my. Okay, so uh, what do I need to do? I need to do this. Uh, Too many things going on. Too many things. Okay. Okay, guys. We're at the top of the hour, the witching hour. The other side of midnight here in the land of enchantment. My guests this morning, Ron and Andrew and John and Keith will return as we explore more of what's on Mars that in the model is our own extraordinary history brought back to Earth. And now as the physics peaks once every 26,000 years, someone or something or someones are vying for our very souls, stay tuned. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. 
support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight. It is now Sunday night, Monday morning here in the land of enchantment. We're having a really interesting now grounded in Mars ground discussion. Did we, or did part of we, that is a subset of Homo sapiens sapiens, in fact, come back to Earth from the planet Mars? And before we came back, did we build over a succession of civilizations encompassing perhaps a quarter of a million years, a line of independent cultural and technical and consciousness evolution on another world, another world next door, another world other than Earth? And is this all, this hidden history of humanity, is it all coming to a head right now? Who wants to jump in? Can I continue with some pictures? By all means. Okay, well, um, to give people an idea of scale, uh, if you click on my number two image, Step Pyramid Complex A, and it's it's gridded. So if you look at uh, row six, I'm sorry, row seven and column H, okay. I want to point out an entrance into the, I guess that's the middle period pyramid on this slope. But in in that square, in the top left of that square, you see the entrance going into the pyramid, and then up in Row six, column F, you see another entrance, same architecture, but bigger. That goes into the large Big Daddy pyramid that these other pyramids on the, are on the slopes of. So you see those two entrances. You're, and you're, people, you're, you're basically talking about the dark V-shaped structures. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. You can... Dark V shape. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, but well, yeah, that's where the people would walk in, and I mean, they're they're huge. These pyramids do are. We, when you say huge, that's not a very scientific statement. <laughs> do do we have a sense of scale? Well, that's what I'm showing here. Like I said, row seven, column eight. No, no, no. When I say scale, I mean in meters, feet, yards, inches, millimeters. That I don't know, but ah. you can get an idea by the sizes of the entrances. You can say, oh, that's where they would go in. And well, then you the, all right. you're, you're assuming we're looking at terrestrial size. I'm right? assuming, well, yes. I'm assuming oh, okay. that. Okay, well, we need the assumptions laid on the table. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Ron, any thoughts? Uh, no, continue. Okay. I'm just about to send you that. Uh, I'm just about to send all of you that picture of the. Um, the you mean the black uh, and white? 
the original frame. Yeah, the, ori- the original. The original. I was I was okay. trying to decide whether to send you. I found the raw file, but the um, I had to change the had to change the name because they put names on there that are longer than the password for a lockbox. So they <laughs> uh, they changed it. They, they they've gone back to a more a simpler nomenclature. Right. But it's well, that's another story. If you want to talk about Michael Malin, we can talk about it anyway. Until I don't then, want to talk about Michael Malin tonight. Oh, Richard. Richard, yes. I do want to make a comment. Um, John, in – sorry. Uh, I, I, I boomed this up really large. Hang on a sec here. Um, row 7 and Are we J, on number 2? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the face, that sort of face that's that, that you were looking in the in the closer version just before the break, right? Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but it was something that when we – used to look a lot at Gale Crater, um, and I know Keith Laney pointed this out a lot, that a lot of these faces seem to be orientated towards Mount Sharp. Like, you know, most of these buttes and, and pyramids are decorated all the, way around, all the way around, but a lot of the prominent, what we think are faces, seem to be orientated towards, like you say, Big Daddy Mountain or Big Daddy Pyramid. I don't know, it's something that, that Keith brought up, and I thought, wow, you know, you do see a lot of that. I, think I would agree of, with Keith on that. They all do, they do seem to be grouped up, staring in the same direction. I won't say where it is, but you see that in a lot of images. Yeah, it's mm. part of the technology, I, is my opinion. Well, no, I mean you can build a statue well, looking in any direction. Yeah. The question is, what's most important on the landscape? You want it to be looking toward. Yeah, but that face is part of a technological structure. On its own, yes. It's a substructure. Yes. Yeah. Well, remember, yes. my model for Mount Sharp, the big thing in the middle of, of Gale Crater, was this is a super mega, very ancient, almost probably over 100 million year old collapsed mega arcology, measuring about 100 miles wide, and perhaps when it was brand new, 50 miles tall, Jeez. extending out of the atmosphere in the shape of a... Mm. Relu tetrahedron and it collapsed why did it collapse because of the events that happened to mars 66 million years ago during the great war so subsequent cultures if if this stuff was built by the ancient progenitors to use the term then the subsequent cultures would revere this ancient progenitor culture and its founders and its occupants and its, you know, uh, beings, and they would logically worship at some level or at least revere their own ancestry. So the idea that they build lesser technological monuments, you know, millions of years later that revere the ancient high, 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 super advanced three-dimensional culture that gave birth to the entire experiment in the solar system is not abnormal. We do it even now because we're all part of the same in this model, genetic cultural heritage. Okay. Let's move on to image four. It's uh, several images in a row and it's uh, focuses on Mars glass. So I I love Mars glass. Yes. There are so many Images from the Gigapan. So we want number four. Glass. You say Mars Glass A. Yeah, you open up number four, and then this. Oh, is I got my sunglasses. Oh my! Right, <laughs> ah. 
<clears throat> Look at all um, those specular reflections. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. So, Ron, are you seeing you... this? I said, Ron, are I'm you, back. Are you seeing this? Yes, I'm going. I'm just getting back to the page. I just got the image sent off. It's very. It's yeah. very. I just grabbed. I was going to work on it. It hasn't even been processed. I but just. It's not I, the I, raw I, I just got it. Okay, this is filled with interesting stuff. Yeah, and then the next few images, I just went in Look at closer the geometry, like and I, went left like, to right. Like square I5. Look at that guy. Or G4. Look at that guy. Or E4. Those are geometric mechanical thingies reflecting, you know, sunlight. Oh, look at the one right down at the bottom, uh, which is 7D. The the grid really helps, really helps, John. It's it does. Amazingly yeah. helpful. And how complex was it to put this on the image? Hint, hint. Everybody else. <laughs> it's, well, it's very easy. In After Effects, you just type in grid, you know, in the effects panel, uh-huh. and the grid feature comes up, and you you plop it onto the image, and you have you have adjustments like the size of the lines; they can be thin or thick. How many columns? How many rows? Mm-hmm. So it just took me about five minutes. Oh, how to, cool! Uh, and I'm sure the same. Look, look at what's in uh, uh, G5. Which image are you looking at? The same one, the glass image, number four. Number four. Okay. Yeah. Look at look at in the bottom part of G G5. G5. Yep. See? Look at that. And this makes it so easy. Oh, look at that interesting thing at the top of E7 in the top left hand corner. Two of them. Look at that regular geometry. You know, ruffles have ridges. Look yeah, the whole, you you can't throw a rock and not hit. No, the, no. I mean, there's this, a, well, it's an ancient it's, ruin. It's it's it's, 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 yeah. it's a ruin field. It's a destroyed culture. Question is, what era in the long history of Mars and inhabited mm-hmm. Mars? What era are we looking at? My assumption, given the context is this is probably a mixture of ancient and relatively new stuff, very ancient stuff. I keep saying, you know, eroding out of the woodwork and then newer stuff, which has been left by subsequent cultures that's lying kind of on the surface. And again, until um, we get ground, yeah, who is that? Me. Um, Hi, me. I'm just curious about the whole line across two in this picture. And oh, you mean that it ridge? Looks, it looks like a shoreline. Is There's that... all the water. We don't see the water, but this is all water in there. This is beautiful. Well, this used to be the lake, you know, Gale Lake, yeah. you know, or, or the Gale Sea. Cause, the moat. You know, it, it, actually, it was more like a moat, you know, around the Relu tetrahedral arcology that originally was built in this crater. Are now look sure at image. Water's still not there. What, let's what go to number five, Richard. Let's move along. Um, okay, when I saw <clears throat> this, is just zooming in to the upper right quadrant of the previous image, and oh, I want to highlight my. the refractions. And when I saw, you know, like this image, just reminds me if you were camping out in Glacier Park or Yosemite Park or something, and you know the sun's coming up in the morning and There'd be some trees and stuff too, but it's just a beautiful sunrise. And you see 
in the ridges in the background and the one in the foreground as well. There's all this refracted light. And I've, I have many images of glass on Mars where the building, the glass is some technological part of the building is the best way I can describe it. Mm. Okay. So, and then six is another space glass. Number six, you can see more of the, um, the refraction along what the What the heck the is in 3B with a beam extending all the way down to 9B? 3B. I don't have a 3B. I believe that's... No, no, no. Uh, image, image number six, grid oh, okay. location 3B. There are There is another one... If you look at the full image... I don't want to talk about another oh, one. I want to yeah. talk about this one. This is... Yes. Yeah, what is, is a it? Section, there's another Great one spot. in this image. Let's not talk about the other one. Talk about this one. What is it? it I'm can't, saying it, there's it, another one because it has something to do with building the image is all I can figure out. It seems because... No, it's at an angle. It's not aligned with pixels. It's a, it's a that, coherent beam. It, it emanates from a brilliant reflection in grid location 3B, mm-hmm, yeah. at an angle, it extends all the way down to 9B. Okay? It's Richard, I know what that is. What is I it? I know what it is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't step on you all except I, it's absolute. Uh, that is something on the image that's part of what the uh, – it's a, it's a kludge. It's a, it's a problem with the camera. It's at a slight angle because this image has been tilted plumb by, you know, where, uh, getting processed. And you can see in the top, you know, where the overlap is, you know, where they did the mosaic. You can see there's a little tilt to it. You sometimes have to so tilt it's, them so to it's align a, it's, them properly. So, so it's an imaging artifact. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, including the white spot, unfortunately. I could show you 15 of them. And they're, they're uh, getting in the way in just the wrong time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, but that, so that, one on, that one I'm absent. Moving on to image seven, it's just a more of that ridge in the background with the various multicolored refractions coming off the mountain there. And uh, eight is the eight and nine are the same thing. Just um, I'm going from like right to left across that ridge. Okay. And pointing out the there looks to be a pretty large pyramid in the background with an apex at four F grid grid point four F. The top. You see it? Pale, pale. <laughs> below the green horizon line at the very top. I do see it. Yeah. Pyramid. It looks like a, a truncated pyramid with a with a flat top. Yeah, and it looks like there's masonry on the right casting shadows. Yeah, so it's probably not a cinder cone. Okay, um, we don't have much time left in this segment. Okay, let's move. Uh, number ten, if you want to look at that, it's just a, a snake entrance. You know, they everything was snakes and animals and people and you know everything is carved. And, so number eleven, I think, is pretty interesting. It's oh, this is one of my gun emplacements. Dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems to be a very technological 
thing perched on top of part of the collapsed ancient arcology, my feeling... Say again? I said that I'll accept. I was going to say every time you accuse something of being a gun without better evidence... I'm going to well, it actually, no, looks, I think it, looks like it, a, it actually looks like some kind of a, a missile or almost looks like a ramjet. Or a it's got a central. No, which is not. Look, it looks like a technological <laughs> artifact. It's not yeah. A, not a phoenix. But it looks more like. Yeah, it, more, it looks th- more like a PP than a gun. Yeah. Well, no. It fell over. It was sticking straight up and it fell down. <laughs> no. The point is, it's, and, it's, it's, it's one of a class of objects that I've identified on 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 the gale panoramas and they look like they're much later devices that were positioned as some kind of defensive uh, mechanism to protect whatever they're protecting of the original ancient architecture arcology as one would imagine if you have fragmented cultures like nation states and one group is trying to protect a, a sacred site or an important site or a site that they're mining for information from intruding exterior groups. And I've seen actually areas where there appear to be cables, you know, literal like, you know, huge electrical cables connecting these structures on top to something down below, which I presume would have been a power source. And they appear to be relatively new compared to the ancient, you know, things they're, they're perched on. They look, in other words, like, modern, relatively, emplacements on much more ancient cultural artifacts. And you should glass on this too, Richard. For example, um, H5 and 6. Okay, looking at it. Yeah, there's a lot of multicolored stuff. There's glass all around. By the way, if if you look at, let me get the number here, Um, uh, 6, H6, which is and H5, which has a kind of a keepy or pyramid shape in profile. The top of it is in H5. The bottom is in H6. Everybody see that? Yep. Okay. There appears to be a face. Yes, there does. Looking yeah. directly at the camera. And it's not a human face. The lion. It looks, well... It looks more alien to me, Richard. You're you're the uh, the the whatever you want to call that um, thing at the top. The thing on it top. Remind, yeah, it <laughs> reminds me of the um, remember the uh, the missile that what's his face in generations had set up. Um, yeah, for, uh, exactly the the, the the Genesis device. The no no no. This was the this was the device used to you know detonate. Uh, and, 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 you know, take out the sun so that it would collapse and oh, become yes. a black hole and thereby move the ribbon, the, the uh, Nexus it, ribbon. Yes. You could almost think that was a missile which has fallen out of the cradle. The missile is the front part and the cradle is the back part, yeah. the top and bottom. And it's over X number of years, it's been dislodged. So it's still sitting there atop more technological stuff. To me, it looks like a technological thing. It looks like a weapon, looks like a missile, it looks like a defensive thing to protect whatever is being protected in the mega arcology below it and all around it. In and words, you see these weapons all over. Yeah, you do, everything. you do. And a lot of them have cabling, which I've been, this will all be in the book. You know, we will, folks will all describe this and 
arrows and circles and grids. You know, John, thank you so much for the grid. It makes it so much easier to describe where this stuff is. Mm. So, All right, let's go to number 12. Okay, going to 12. Moving with alacrity, 12. Okay. Try to get through these before the break. <laughs> okay. Um, when I click on it, it gets very big. Very big. So what is what is 12? E, if you look at uh, E5, it shows what I claim or believe is a craft on a landing pad. It's just coming out of the garage. And okay, possibly. Possibly. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of kind of craft like that. And then these next several images, next four or five, um, what I believe is a mouse sculpture that covers, you know, entire mountain range. And the, the first image you should look at is number 15. They're a, a tad out of order. So 15 would be the first image to click on. And this would be the, the eye of the mouse. Hmm. The crater and there's a, a white yeah i must say there. john i'm not whelmed i don't see it but that's just me all right well you don't until you zoom out you know you have to get that perspective oh, so okay. well, oh i see what you mean that's just the eye that crater that that's crater there the that's, yeah, that's, see that's actually i i see three more faces i see well there'll be embedded art throughout this sure th- there are multiple art images yeah. And and I found an analog in the most astonishing place the other day that I'm still checking out, uh, that I'm not ready really to talk about. But I think I now know where this kind of art comes from and what the meta message might be. And until I'm more certain, uh, I won't say any more than that, but I see multiple faces in this. And if you were in a spacecraft and flew down in there and looked closely, there'd be all kinds of other art, you know, embedded, smaller art. Well, that's an assumption. So, you don't know that. I, I, this is my opinion, okay? Well, and, you need to clearly label it because if <laughs> what we're seeing is good enough. You know, you don't have yeah. to extrapolate beyond the data. What we're seeing is obviously there. Andrew, do you see what I'm seeing? Centered in 6D. In 6D, I see two... Faces one above the other. Is this six? This is image. Image to sixteen, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the old nested art. Exactly. Was, Very yeah, Martian, yeah. and I'm beginning to think we may have tripped over the origin of this art. And it, believe me, it's going to blow your mind when I can prove it. Can't prove it yet, but I'm working on it. Well, let's go to number 16. Is that the one you were looking at, Richard? 16? Yeah. We were both looking at 16. Oh, you're 16. both looking at 16. Okay. Yeah, in yeah. 16, you can Probably. see it's pull, the camera's pulled out, so you can see this, what I believe, is the head of the mouse. The, the nose, tip of the nose is an H4. Mm-hmm. And you see the... The eye we just looked at is in E4. Oh, we're E5. looking we're looking way to the left of that. Okay, I also see the to me it doesn't look like a mouse, it looks like something a lot more alien. And there's another subface at the bottom of I five. Bottom right corner, Andrew. Hang on. Richard, how come you can never see the faces on mine? 
Because <laughs> you don't have a grid. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you don't have a, you don't have a grid. grid. All right. I can put a grid on everything. It oh, how wonderful. Other than, well, how wonderful. What a, what a concept, a grid. John, you've made a major step forward for, <laughs> for research, folks. Okay, then let's go to number 13. Okay, we're time is fudging here, so yeah, I want to get through these. Oh, there's lots of faces in sixteen. There's, so there's now you see, aren't there? Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, John. I'm just you can see the but I I almost outlined which which it. number are we on? We are on number thirteen. Thirteen, going to thirteen. Oh, 13. Okay. Now the camera has pulled out a bit further now, 13. so that you can see the not just the eye and the nose and the head, but now you see. The body, I, I was tempted to outline it, but it seems pretty obvious to me, but maybe not. So I see this mouse or bear or... See, the problem is, as with all art, this is so incredibly subjective. There yeah. are people out there who are looking at this and going, these guys are... <laughs> Gosh, if we could package this, we could make a fortune. They're absolutely off the edge of the paper because art is so... That's why ever since the Face on Mars thing... I focused on geometry, and even that's a hard sell for most people because they're not used to seeing A, geometry, and B, they're not looking at uh, or used to seeing decayed geometry, and boy, is this stuff and, decayed. And then uh, – Why don't you go to number – it's number 18. Okay, that, uh, that's 18, not, yeah, that's showing um, – this is an example – of what looks like from the movie John Carter of Mars, like one of their rifles or something there in um, E4. Oh, and... how cool. Oh, there's all kinds of junk. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's filled with junk, and it's all corroded and all uniform orangish because this is probably a, you know, falsely colored picture. Look at the block in 8D. And also said, no, you know what? That's from the. I sent, I just looked at the, at the those uh, files in um, Curiosity the other day when mm -hmm. we were talking about it. Yeah, no, that is color. It, it's the. You oh, can, it's real color. It's, it's, okay. Yeah, um, that's just the, that's just their color. It's pretty bland. But it's it's, pretty I well. mean, somebody lightened it up some, but it's, well, you yeah, also that, if you if it, you if you made it more saturated, again, the color is useful for the differentiation. It lets you see different uh -huh. materials different dyes or anodizing and certainly different, you know, mechanical objects. But there's like an E2. Look at that obviously artificial thingy. And your, your rifle, uh, John, is 4E and 5F. Yep. It's laterally it stretches between them. It looks like an old Kentucky flintlock. Really? Oh, and... Richard, speaking of guns, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot if we don't uh, pay attention to Keith's messages. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> we are definitely running out of runway. So we don't Can want I to save do... the, the next two for after the break? Yeah, yeah, well, actually, we probably want to go to Ron because Ron mm. has some cool stuff. And we got about half an uh, hour. Let's to... try to get 19 in then because okay, this is will, really cool. We will come back. Okay. We will come back. Famous last words. Because that's really what we're doing. As a culture, as a planet, as a fragmented culture, some of whom in this model now came back from Mars, all of us are returning 
And how do we know? Because the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, reporting directly to the President of the United States and through this national conference held at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., just one day before Veterans Day. Talk about foreshadowing. Admitted in public in that two-hour YouTube video, you will all tonight click on save and watch as soon as possible. A conference which included Avi Loeb, the Harvard professor, director of the Harvard Astronomy Department, formerly, who thinks that Oumuamua was an artificial interstellar probe built by someone. Uh, He's right, but he has no idea what kind of probe it really was. We do, and we're going to share it with him when we get him on the show. Oh, and you had Jeff Bezos. He attended this conference, conference on our future in space which more appropriately should have been our past and future in space. And we'll pick up the past when we return. Don't touch that dial. Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone. Last half hour to go on this uh, 
Sunday night, Monday morning edition of The Other Side of Midnight. My panelists this morning are Ron Gerbron, Andrew Curry, Jonathan Womack, and Keith Morgan. And we're talking about this major step function, this transition, this burgeoning revolution after decades and decades and decades of covering up, as Steve says, Steve Bassett, uh, the extraterrestrial reality. It's now coming to a head. It did, you know, just a few days ago on November 10th, just hours before this year's Veterans Day, November 11th. 11, 11, 11, remember? Where the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, admits in public in an open panel together with the head of NASA, Jeff Bezos, the second most uh, richest person. Is that the right way to put that? The second richest person on the planet. And the first richest, of course, being Elon Musk. Isn't it interesting that the two richest people are spending their hundreds of billions of dollars on trying to get this planet off Earth and back into space. And one of them, Elon Musk, is destined to get us back to Mars. And he was the guy, for some reason, who was not invited to the conference. Isn't that special, church lady? Okay, Andrew, you had a question. Yeah, it's twice now you've said the Washington National Cathedral. Do you mean the Church of St. Peter and St. Paul? The big cathedral on the hill. Yeah. Overlooking all of Washington that was built as a as a simulation of the ancient, you know, cathedrals in Europe, Chartres, Notre yeah. Dame, etc., and St. Patrick's in New York, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh it's the National Cathedral. Why would you hold in essence, an ET conference at the National yeah. Cathedral. Put the dots uh, together, guys. Come yeah. on. What's the meta What's the McLuhan message here? This is not about technology. It's not about money. It's not about billionaires. It's not about our future. It's our ancient religious. Who the hell are we? And how do we originate? Who was our creator here on planet Earth? And they're tying it again in a religious sense i mean i'm just reading exactly. here this is a, the cathedral is the seat of both the presiding bishop of the episcopal church michael bruce curry no relation by the way and the bishop <laughs> of the diocese of washington marion edgar buttle or buttle or bud i think mm-hmm. uh, um, this is let me read a little more the protestant episcopal cathedral foundation under the first seven bishops of washington erected the cathedral under a charter passed by the United States Congress on January the 6th, 1893. Construction began on September the 29th, 1907, when the foundation stone was laid in the presence of President Theodore Roosevelt and a crowd of more than 20,000 people, and ended 83 years later when the final finial was placed in the presence of President George W. H. W. Bush in 1990. Huh. Wow. Hmm. If that's not symbolic, then I don't know what is. And do you know what's incorporated in one of the stained glass windows of the National Cathedral over the nave, which is the high point of the sanctuary of any cathedral? 
Tell us. An Apollo 11 moon rock. Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> and look at the archways. It's back to our Moorish style. Oh, this is amazing. Wow. No, it's very, convergent. Very... Yeah. You know, science is convergent. Science is independent confirmation. There's a way to know truth. You just have to use a process and not believe anything you read or most of anything on the Internet these days. Yes, very interesting. Anyways, I know we've got to get back to the images. Okay, John, you had a couple more you wanted to take us through, right? Yeah, two more, 19 and 20. Uh, open 20 Which, first. of course, is an average of 19.5. Very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, 20, if you open that first, it's the wide Oh, uh, I went to 19. Sorry. Darn. Okay. I'm too yeah, So 20 is the wide view, and this plateau, actually, back in the day, it was an island because you had the water going all, all around, you know, this moat. And this was an island. And you can see, well, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's obvious city back there. In oh, that's Gale City right in uh, oh, the gosh. middle of yeah. 4, yeah. 4E, no, 4, actually 4C, 4D, 4E, and a smidgen in 4F. That's Gale City. Yes, that's a city. And... You have this island. There are many islands in the, this moat. This is one of them, this plateau. And so if you click on 19, it's just a close-up of this plateau. Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah, there's an air. Wow, I mean, this was. Look at all there. that geometry. Oh, and the face, of course, in D3. Yeah, that's a face yeah. of, of a building. That's a building, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, remember, these are the same guys that took asteroids. No, they, they took huge mega structures in space miles across, and they basically created them in the form of images, effigies, that have now incredibly eroded. I mean, talk about ego on an interplanetary scale. That's what happens when we evolve in three D. <laughs> yes, and this you can see to the um, to the right of that face, that building, that would have been a port where the water comes up to the shoreline mm -hmm. of this island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to like when I see these images, I see them with the water and the trees, and there's ships lifting off and they're landing, and there's all this activity like it would have been back in the day. And it would be cool if other people start looking at it that way. You just don't look at the stones. You have to remember what it looked like a long time well, ago. Well, remember, most people need permission to look at anything. And now that we've destroyed, you know, public confidence in any institutions, I think about the only thing big enough to get everybody to pay attention. And this is real color again. It just needs to be amped up. There's gorgeous color here if the saturation was increased by maybe 200%. Um, what will get people to pay attention is, A, if an establishment which has been denying this reality for decades and decades and decades suddenly says, they're there, and B, we can actually go there through civilian efforts, like Musk send civilians to Mars to do ground truth, to do excavation, to find the libraries. That's how this transition is going to unfold. It's not going to be government missions. It's going to be private 
democratized, you know, first come, first serve missions, which will blow the doors off the cover up at long, long last. Ten minute warning, Richard. Okay. I mean, we're running out of time. I think your clock is, is running a little fast. Oh, I, I know why Ron said that. Let us go to Ron. Come in, Ron. That's why I said that. Yes. <laughs> He's so subtle. Go ahead. All yeah. right. You want to click on Ron's okay, items well, in fast links. Done there. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've already looked at number one. Since we probably can't go through yeah, everything. That's... Something interesting. Give me a second. I'll, I'll, I, I got two. I got two to talk about. That's it. Uh, the rest. If people want to look, they can. The Zhurong there was the wrong one. That's okay. There's a newer one that's got that people hadn't seen before. Uh, but number four mm-hmm. says Jezero uh, Crater Idol, and I wish that the wide shot was included here, but it's not. There's a. Uh, a, a mosaic I did of several together that shows this on one end. Now, if that was not my own image, I would say that somebody tweaked it. Because if you look at the leaning thing on the right, you mm. see the slanted eye with the vertical pupil. You can see a big sloppy smile and, and a nose. It looks very much, you know, it's uh, contrived. And I, in fact, I went back to the web and looked at the raw images. After I saw this mounted on the site, I said, that can't be right. That's too, you know, that looks too tweaky. But no, 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 there's a face there and kind of a uh, nasty grinning face. So that was some sort of idol at the end of a whole complex, which you can't see. And the one right above that, number three, uh, these are all from Perseverance. Uh, on the left side is a super blow up of one little part of it. Richard, it's you've got, I see you've got a rendition of it in your images too but that's mm-hmm. if you look at the shadow that's the, that's the batman i just thought that was interesting but it gives us a sense of scale and perspective i think and let's see because those ruins oh are very the classic trick of light and shadows yeah okay all right yeah yeah so that one is see i'm providing something which is in fact not a contrived by anybody to hide something. It just happened to come out that way, but it's it's uncanny how much it looks like something. That's real pareidolia. Yep, yep, totally. No, I'm totally yep. Pareidolia, folks, with an L. It's not pronounced the other way. Uh, but uh, unlike all the other stuff, which is that they're faking it. They're, they're kidding us. Okay, let's see what else can I cover in the next moment and a half. Um, Wait, the, Ron. Of course, you you can look at them anytime. Yes, Ron, Andrew. Can, you yes. Go, can we quickly go back to four? Because you skipped over. If you go mm-hmm. really large, beside that, where the ear of that face and the long crowny thing on the top, there's like a little tab mm-hmm. with a circle in it. Yes, there is. It looks like a nut, like a hex Like nut. an ear ring, huh? And it looks yeah. like a hex nut. Or part of the mask holding it. Oh, it's I, a mask no, you know what it is? Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's, it's impossible to get these things up to the web with the kind of sharpness that they can have by themselves. But no, that's a tab. That's a tab. It's like it's, uh, yeah, it's a rectangular piece with a hole in the middle, just like the end of a strip of uh, what's that metal strapping called yes. that you can nail up the poles and stuff. Yeah, it looks like, doesn't it look like the end of a piece of that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, it, it is sticking out. You can't. Yeah, see I'm that seeing in more representations of faces. And again, our model oh. is you have ancient, 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 ancient. Nothing's, of course. 
You have ancient, ancient, ancient collapsed architecture. You then have subsequent civilizations arise and fall, and some of them went around and feverishly carved, hacked, pecked, you know, ground, hammered faces into everything. They covered almost every available surface with some visage, with some representation of something or someone or somebody. It was important to them for some reason. And if anybody, uh, well, can yeah, we anybody say, wants to can we all say together ancestor worship? Uh, that is supposedly the oldest form of religion. Yeah, of course. Um, Particularly if your but, ancestors uh, if you look, talk to you, if they're not cut mm-hmm. off, if they actually communicate. And of course you're hey, going to venerate them. Ron, can you Number also... Number two... Oh, really, really Andrew, go ahead. Can you mention, kind of notice the way that these pieces are almost curated by the lander? Like, the, the way they're... Posi- I mean, they're positioned as their position, but the way that the that the rover is shooting it, it's like it's presenting it for a museum. I mean, if you want to mention that, I know. Really I noticed that I've, I've noticed that with the Mars pictures for a long time, somebody, uh, not just this current mission. Cause of course the interesting thing is Percy is picking its own targets. You know, that's everything they say. That's what they're doing. They've training, they trained the AI to look, for certain things. They don't say exactly what. Yeah, but what have they trained the AI to do? What have they trained it to recognize? Remember, I said decades ago in Monuments, no. back in the Dark Ages, that you could literally create mm-hmm. a computer program which would recognize you know, features, geometry, artwork on another planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they've done. I think they have too. Because number number two is like a whole uh, a whole suite of furniture laid out on the hillside. It's all stone, of course, but I mean it's uh, yeah, that it's obviously uh, you know it's obviously not something that naturally tumbled there. It mm-hmm. fell down at some point, but it's, uh, so anyway, Andrew, was that um, is that what you mean? Yeah, it's just like what what Richard added in is that we're it's it's looking. For form, it's looking. It's looking for artificiality, mm-hmm. and it's presenting it in a way. I, yeah, go. Cool. Yeah, well, anybody wants to can go to that thing that they they posted a sort of a contest. NASA did, you know, oh, that to uh, help us design a design a better rover. You know, you've probably seen that. You know, and they want you uh, to, and you if you if you it's very very hard to see why they're offering you anything. But when you go to it, it's basically checklists. I mean, they don't let you have any comments or anything. I think they've already covered this, what, mm. what Andrew just said, that it knows how to look for artifacts. So they're saying, well, if you can give us any tips on how to better recognize different types of geology, I think that's okay, one thing. Guys, uh, we, we got about 10 minutes at the end of the show. And I have some see? very interesting things which are very good to bring up the rear on. So I'm going to take – you know, um, um, executive privilege. <laughs> I'm going to take my my time here and relate some of the things I found to what everybody else has been talking about for most of the evening, <clears throat> beginning with item number six. So go to fast links, click on Richard on this page. It will take you to item number six. In the same context where head of NASA, Bill Nelson, is talking at the University of Virginia 
Center for Politics uh, about aliens and extraterrestrials. And then he repeats the same comments at the National Cathedral at this conference on our future in space just a few days ago. In the same time frame, NASA suddenly proposes for the entire scientific community a new framework, a scientific framework for the search for extraterrestrial life. In fact, that's kind of what triggered the subject of tonight's show because there is, if you look at the seven points of their proposed framework, there is a stunning, glaring, overwhelming, obvious, oh my God, I can't believe they did that, huge, huge, big enough to fly the Enterprise through, error in their proposed framework. Can anybody tell me what it is? And I guess not. And we're waiting. (laughs) (laughs) There's no extraterrestrial intelligence on the list. You've got the head of NASA saying ETs are real. You've got the DNI saying ETs are, are real. You've got, you know, this conference among a whole bunch of very interesting participants saying, in essence, ETs are real. I mean, look at uh, Abby Loeb. And in their formal scientific framework, they're strictly talking still about microbes. Bill, get your house in order. They're not following the program or they're stuck in a rut or they're following another drummer or something. Anyway. Oh, they have a script. Well, it's ancient. Okay, so moving on, moving on, moving on, reclaiming my time as they say in Congress. Item number nine is a stunning um, close-up taken by the mass cam on Perseverance looking up at this incredibly geometric glass dome, which is stretching over Jezero Crater. We've talked about this extensively. Item number 10, side view, as the Perseverance rover was falling uh, on the, uh, um, you know, retro rockets down about seven miles above Mars before they, you know, the sky crane deployed of the perspective lateral versions of the dome, which is annotated. Various features there are illuminated so you can read them. Item number 11 is an image that Ron sent to me from his excursion into Percy land, which when I brightened it up and saturated the colors, I went, oh my God. And then number 12 is a close-up of number 11, because if you look at the colors, those are not natural rock colors. Those are the colors of rainbow refracted prismatic glass, including number uh, 12, which is a close-up of those two thingies kind of perched one atop the other with a space in between. And to the bottom left, extending out from the bottom object, you can see a colored rainbow, which is splashing color all over the exposed sections of whatever it's sitting on. It looks kind of like it's a diamond shape, like it's some kind of refractive crystal. And if you look at the background and the shadows, which I brightened up, you can see all this color. It's the same image that Ron has down in his number uh, number three. Okay, I believe we're looking at ultimately fragments, huge chunks 
of the glass that's fallen from the dome and landed relatively intact, or we're looking at structures under that dome that were also made of glass. And the more you look, the more you're going to see, particularly uh, when you write up the, the image ZR1, Z is mass cam, uh, underscore 0240. That's the Sol on Mars, the Martian day. And the whole frame number is there. You can go and find the original. So you track your original sources and bingo. Now, item 13 and 14. Item 13 is our banner for tonight. A few days ago, just before Halloween, NASA published this stunning Hubble image of a structure about 700 light years away, an ancient red giant star expanding in the red giant phase, the end of stellar evolution, and surrounding it is this geometric nested set of vertical, vorticular tunnel formations. Geometry is being imposed by the torsion field around the star as it's dying into the interplanetary uh, gas and dust surrounding the star. And you can see there are six points, six rays of light emanating from the center. Um, those come and go in a 15-day period. They're not in the lens. They're not in the mirror. They're not in the optics of Hubble. They are, in fact, in the nebula. And they come and go with a 15-day period, which I think is the modulation of the torsion field, which is kind of creating the geometry and the dust of interplanetary space around the star. And so the geometry is kind of twisted in a periodicity of every seven days, which probably is not the period of something going around the star, like a binary, but probably the spin of the core of the star relative to the nebula, just like the sun has a sunspot cycle on an 11 year time frame, The cycle of this given its incredibly advanced evolutionary age is much, much, much faster. And it comes and goes in a periodicity of 15 days. Now look at number 14, click on it, make it bigger off to the right of this glowing star and the nebula, which is about a uh, hundred times the width of the solar system in this frame. Off to the right, there is a galaxy, millions of light years beyond. Look at the shape of the galaxy. The so-called spiral arms are in fact a square. Who ever heard of square galaxies? There's no way in nature to create this. The precision required to get all the you know, blue stars, the bright hot stars newly created to all reach their aphelions at the same time implies such a scale of mega engineering that it boggles the mind. So when I talk about our solar system is unique, indicating it was designed, we now look out again through Hubble, and think of the incredible coincidence. Hubble took a picture of this dying star 700 light years away, which happened to have this incredible hyperdimensional geometry, 
And right in the line of sight, within a few arc seconds, you have this galaxy, this geometric galaxy indicating artificial tampering, millions of light years beyond, and they're both in the same tiny Hubble point of view. Is it possible that someone moved the star so it and the galaxy would coincide so when we, from the Earth, took pictures with what would someday be a Hubble, we would see the juxtaposition and realize we're looking at awesome, awesome interplanetary, interstellar, and intergalactic type three Kardashev civilization technological cosmic intervention. In other words, are we being shown in this image an example of who is really out there and why why we are here at the moment looking at it and trying to figure it out. Number 15 is a total eclipse of the sun by the moon taken in 2008. And when you look at the limb, you can see this incredible, stunning detail of the glass dome around the moon, a glass dome which could only have been made by an anterior extraterrestrial super civilization and a crowning glory in the mix to let us know from whence we really came. Well, that's the end of another show, folks. Next week, we're going to be delving into what could be happening in December and then maybe Saturday night. We might be having some people on who are conducting current active interstellar communications experiments right now. So until then, remember, third star on the left, straight until morning. Good night, everyone. And I want to thank all my guests and the audience. And stay tuned. Most amazing things are about to unfold.